to talk about the coronavirus. <laughs> but on the way here, I got really ill. You're wrong. You can't be. No, it is. Look at the man. This is the trick. This is a performance. Right, yeah. Uh, so my plan is just to not die. You know, survive long enough where uh, they find a cure. You know, some people will have to die. <laughs> but finally, they'll find a cure for me. This is why no one can detect his method. Total devotion to his art. Not a self-sacrifice. It's funny that we all now know how we're gonna die. <laughs> it's just a matter of what order at this point. The only way to escape and this. But I'm old anyway, uh, you know, so if I die, it won't be as much of a tragedy. I'm uh, 68 years young, I like to say. Yeah. Our trickster god, the greatest of all time to ever do it, the only good stand-up comedian, Norm MacDonald, has passed away of cancer, and none of us knew. Nobody had any idea. His closest friends, some of his family members, had no idea. If a man like that can keep a secret like that for so long, what other secrets could he possibly know? I believe, and I mean this wholeheartedly, that possibly the greatest, greatest media to ever grace the internet is a little show called Norm MacDonald Live. Norm MacDonald Live is incredible. I revisit it all the time. I always have since it first began. Um, it had a troubled history. It would go off uh, for a year or more sometimes between seasons of it. You didn't even know there were going to be seasons of it. And then suddenly they'd come back and go, oh gosh, what happened? I'm sorry. And every episode of it is a master class in comedy, in podcasting, in everything. It's just, it's just the best. If you've never seen it, it's just the best. It really is. And one particular episode that I always find myself revisiting is, uh, well, you know, Norm had a lot of interesting guests on his show. He would have one people from the comedy world, and it would usually, usually, it would be somebody that he enjoyed very thoroughly. He said he had no interest in interviewing just random people, celebrities. He just wanted to talk to people that he found interesting and particularly funny. Wasn't always the case. Didn't always get that as a guest. This one episode, though, I, I found myself coming back to it, and I, I couldn't put into words why. I don't know if it's my favorite episode, but it's probably the one I've watched the most. I found it intriguing, fascinating. The guest was Stephen Merchant. You may know him as uh, the co-creator of The Office. He's been in many things. Stephen Merchant. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. Oh, his eyes. His eyes are haunting, mesmerizing, really. Uh, sickening, though. Deep set and frightful, bloodshot, darkened eyes. But hypnotic. Almost casting a spell on me. There's something eerie about him there 
Despite his clear ginger genetics, he's almost gray in both appearance and demeanor. Whew, just a chilling, haunting feeling all over. I'd find myself, let me get rid of this for a second. I don't know if I can deal with it. I find myself coming back into this episode. You know, I've never really liked Stephen Merchant. I don't know what it is about him. I'm not a huge fan of the British office, although Norm says he is. Sorry, he was, and I hate putting him in the past tense like that, but Norm claimed to be a huge fan of the office. Uh, the British version only, though, not the American version. And Stephen Merchant, I don't know if it's my own bias or something. I always felt this weird eerie feeling about him and maybe that's what drew me back to this episode maybe i just felt that there was something else some sort of undercurrent going on in that episode you know i truly do feel like many episodes of norm mcdonald live norm had ulterior motives for them if you watch them with a keen eye and a careful ear you may discover another layer to what's going on in it and not just the many layers of comedy no but something else, something that Norm wanted you to know about each individual guest. I'm sure when Adam Sandler was on or David Spade or Nick Schwartzen, it was just a fun time of friends hanging out and being funny together. But occasionally, occasionally there'd be a guest like Stephen Merchant. And you had to wonder, what did Norm think was going on there? Well... I have my own theories. I found myself coming back to this episode years ago. I was rewatching it for probably the hundredth time at that point. There's me so many quotable moments in it, like every episode of his show. There's so many fun little things, but there's this bizarre antagonism going on in the whole episode that I'd never seen in any other episode before that. And in a way that is not really present in any other show with any other guest, even throughout Norm's career, just on late night. You never saw him with this antagonistic trickster spirit against anybody except Stephen Merchant, and it came to me in a sudden. It hit me. I think Norm is trying to say that this guy's a fucking pedophile, that he's a virulent crypto-pedo, that he's been touching kids. Listen, these are not my words. Let me be clear. These are the allegations, I believe, of a dead man. You can't possibly sue a dead man. You can't sue me. It's not what I'm saying about Stephen Merchant. But I was watching the episode and going, oh, this guy fucks kids. So maybe Norm was wrong. And again, not my idea on this. I don't know. I'm going to invite those of you, the intrepid viewers out there, even if you've never seen a Norm MacDonald episode before, even if you don't like Norm MacDonald, I'm going to invite you into my world through my eyes. I'm going to bring you through this journey with me of my own discovery of what I believe is a hidden message in this. Some of those of you in the audience tonight are skeptics, and you will find this a little bit difficult to swallow, but I'm sure so did the kids. Now, I invite you, those of you, the most analytical, the most critical of you, to put that aside for just a moment, to listen to these words, to try on a tinfoil hat for a second. It's just a theory, but it's not my theory. Again, I have to be clear about this. This is Norm MacDonald's theory, I'm pretty sure. He's saying it. 
Allegedly. Allegedly. It is Norm who is saying that the co-creator of The Office, Stephen Merchant, is a horrible, horrible child molester. He's part of the elite Hollywood cabal of child rapists. And he's trying to secretly signal to his audience what exactly is truly going on. Norm, like it or not, one little flaw about Norm, and I there's very few, but one flaw about Norm, a genius of a man, a true genius, true in every sense of the word. One flaw about him is he did have an obsession with celebrity. He liked it. He liked meeting them. There, he acted like he did not want to. He had no interest in any of them, and I believe that. I believe he doesn't want to hear about the day-to-day frivolities of some idiot. Some fucking douchebag. That's believable to me. But what I don't believe is that Norm did not pay attention to what was going on in Hollywood. What I don't believe is that Norm wouldn't have known at least a few little secrets. You know, here and there. What I don't believe is that Norm could look into these haunting eyes and not see them for what they truly are. So tonight on the show, I present to you the case, detail by detail. We're going to go through the episode. If you've never seen it before, you'll be on board for the whole ride, plus even more evidence of why this man, Stephen Merchant, according to Norm MacDonald and no one else, may just have been and still is a pedophile on the run. This is the pedophiles and... I just want to be clear. We may uncover not only that Norm MacDonald died because of the knowledge he had, but who was behind the heinous killings. Now again, I'm not Norm. I am, however, I'm not Norm on YouTube. Please go check out I'm Not Norm on YouTube where I upload stolen clips and monetize them using shitty sweatshirts. Would you like a sweatshirt with a joke stolen from Norm MacDonald printed on it? Support my channel. I'm Not Norm. Now, let's go bully the internet. This is Pot Awful, baby. Pot Awful sucks. Awful Night Live with Jesse P.S. Oh my god, I have bonitis. Welcome everybody to Pod Awful. Thank you for joining me here tonight on the program. Happy to be here, of course. We are live as we are every Sunday and Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, podawful.tv on Sundays for free, podawful.pizza for the primo episodes on Wednesday, and I would love to see what they're saying in the chat room. Let's check in with them live right now. I saw somebody said, I think Ian said he believes, in his personal opinion, 
that Stephen Merchant did not behave in a suspect or a bizarre manner. Let's see what else they're saying. Mersh has talked about Norm. Jesse is stealing from Mersh. Yep, Mersh pretty much invented Norm McDonald. Um, I do like the new title sequence, though, says Lucas. Well, thank you very much. What up, Jesse Pod? Thank you so much for calling me that. Listen, guys, again, my name's Jesse. If you've never seen the show before, if you're brand new, if you're a fan of Norm, welcome. You're in great company because I fucking love Norm MacDonald. I really do, and he's a huge inspiration to me. He was. And uh, so anybody who comes here, you know, my name's Jesse. My friends, though, call me Bullets. You can call me Pod. Now, those of you who have never heard of Norm MacDonald somehow, you've never seen anything of his, I've got a whole montage of clips here from the episode in question. The whole episode is highly suspect in many ways. There's lots of little details and layers of things going on. And I've noticed, I'm not the only one who has seen this. I've seen YouTube comments about this. I've seen Reddit posts about this asking did Norm hate Stephen Merchant? Did What is going on? Is it playful banter? I've seen many takes on this. And I want to be very clear about something. All of them are wrong. Are wrong. Except mine. Mine is the only real take on it. I got excited. Very excited to see all of this. Yeah, I'm excited to see all of it too. So I want to go over this bit by bit. Petty detail by petty detail. Get extremely granular with it and really expose what might be happening. And to start off, I just want to say, like I said at the top of the show, I believe Norm would typically only have guests on that he truly cared about, that he actually wanted to glean information off of, to learn something from. Norm was a fervent student of comedy. He studied it, and he studied it hard, and he studied it long, and he studied it fucking juicy. He would really, really, really pay attention to the masters, to the old guys especially, but he had something, he wanted to learn something from just about everybody. So far be it from me to say that Norm didn't think that possibly a guest like Stephen Merchant wasn't able to teach him something, that he, that he wasn't a funny guy. I'm sure he thought he was. I do, however, have the feeling that perhaps, this is just maybe, you know, I've noticed a trend on Norm MacDonald Live. You go back through the episodes, and you can see, in fact, he even says outright sometimes that some episodes, the guest on them, was not someone that he was looking to book. Very famously, in the first season of the show, they tried to get um, Beretta on the show. They tried to get Beretta on, and he had written a very uh, very nice memoir, you know, TV's Beretta. Uh, he um, killed his wife. They tried to get Beretta on the show, and instead who they ended up with was Fred Stoller. <laughs> now, it was a funny episode, and I do believe that Norm is friends with Fred, but I also believe that everyone in the building that day knew that they weren't really looking to get Fred on. I have a feeling that if Beretta had shown up, we would never have, ever, a Fred Stoller episode of Norm MacDonald Live. I would point to possibly the most obvious example of this happening as being the Margaret Cho episode, where I would say it's the only other episode where Norm seems like he is being perhaps truly openly hostile toward the guest. Now, maybe Norm thought that Margaret Cho was funny. 
you know, a very funny lady. Who's funnier than Margaret Cho? Except for dudes. So, if you watch back that episode, clearly somebody in the booking department fucked up. Or a different guest dropped out and they went, well, we've got Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho happened to be walking through the building today. You want to get goddamn Margaret Cho? And Norm said, no, no, God, no, just cancel the episode. And they go, we can't, it's live. And he goes, no, it it hasn't been live since season two. We've clearly been editing these shows very judiciously since the Stephen Merchant episode. Another thing I want to point out, Norm MacDonald Live did stop being live at a certain point. And this episode in particular, there's many hard, strange succulent there's many hard cuts in it there's a lot of them and and you wonder why why get rid of it It, and there couldn't be enough dead air to justify just getting rid of this tiny little bit something else was going on during this episode i believe based on many facts that you will see here tonight i believe that norm mcdonald meant to book ricky gervais on the program and ricky gervais said no, nah, Mike can't do it. <laughs> and Norm said, okay, who else can we get? And they said, well, we can get his, the other guy, Stephen Merchant. And Norm went, the fuck? Nobody, who cares? Who cares about Stephen Merchant? They're like, well, he's available and he's doing a tour. He's, he's touring. He's doing the circuit right now. And Norm went, I, yeah, but I don't know. Is Chevy available or something? And they went, nah. So I think, and you'll see it, I think he wrote the questions for this episode for Ricky Gervais. And he's got a a handful of, a stack, a giant stack of interesting questions for an interesting British comedic mind in Ricky Gervais. And then fucking six foot seven lanky ass. You know, maybe I have a problem with Stephen Merchant because he's the only guy in comedy who is the same height as me. I don't know. Again, I might be biased here. You be the judge. Let's watch it together. This is the Stephen Merchant episode. And I'll just say this. I want you to have a very open mind about what may be a very open secret. Things start off interestingly. Norm starts the show in this one like none other. I extend the most uh, robust and convivial greetings to all. Uh, to you, our esteemed podcast viewers, who are experiencing these words and places hither, thither, and uh, presumably on. <laughs> you join the proceedings on a, a most felicitous particular occasion, for we are welcoming forthwith a true master of earth. Of earth. A veritable Michelangelo, the lively art of amusing and delighting the hoi ploy. <clears throat> Which is not to say uh, he is uh, not popular also with the hoity toity. <laughs> he is an Emmy and BAFTA award winning writer, director, and comedian. He is the co creator. Now, I do find it odd that he refers to Stephen as a comedian, usually what you'd call a lady, but maybe that one's just a slip of the tongue. Perhaps it's a hint at where things are going. The original office of extras, and he starred in the HBO hit, Hello Ladies. He is a splendid person, 
And it's good because otherwise I'd punch him in the fucking goddamn face. <laughs> so right there. All right. Things are now why? Uh, obvious could just be a joke. Don't think I'm reading too far into this. I've seen many people say, no, you don't get it. Stephen Merchant was in on the joke the whole time. And they're going to say this to me in the, in the comments section. They're going to go, Jesse, sorry, pod. Can I call you bullets? I'll go, no, 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 no. They'll go, pod. Stephen was in on it. He's a comedic gene. No, he's not. <laughs> okay, let me be clear about this. Actually, I just want to start with this real quick. I don't think that British people are the funniest. Call me crazy. I don't think that British people are just automatically, oh, they're so they're geniuses. They they have such a dry humor. N- number one, no, they don't. Have you ever seen Benny Hill? These guys produce fucking retard shit all the time, too. When Norm MacDonald's talking about sending people off to retard island, I think he's talking about Great Britain. Usually they're not in on the joke. It's a very rare guy who even understands from Britain what is even basically going on in the smallest of senses. These are people who eat nothing but beige foods. I'm sorry, did you put salt on this? I can't eat it. Why? It's too much salt? No, I just don't understand it, mate. Mate, I just don't get it. (laughs) You don't get it? It's too much salt. Right. You don't don't understand that I put the salt on? No, it's just, I don't get it. I don't understand. They literally don't understand flavor is what I'm, what I'm getting at here is a British person so dumb, they don't get what a flavor is. Okay. And I apologize to my British in-laws for saying this, but cook a meal and prove me wrong. Okay. Okay. So I think what's happening here is Norm finds the 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 greatest the the obvious top tier biggest echelon of british comedians very funny but norm again student of comedy he knows that not every single guy is the funniest guy just cuz he's from you know, we get fooled by that accent in america real easy real easy i'm here to tell you buddy them guys most of them sound like goddamn retards in their own land they sound like gibbering <laughs> water-brained idiots even over there you know, it, I don't care if they're speaking the Queen's English. I don't care if they're, you you know, not even if they're going rhotic. If they're using RP, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't fuss me much. It doesn't seem that fancy to me. You know? Here's the thing you might not realize is British people used to talk like this until like the 1800s. It wasn't even that long ago. And then the British aristocracy started going, well, we don't want to seem like these gross commoners. Look at them. Ugh. So how can we set ourselves apart? Oh, I know. Oh, talk like I'm a fucking fruit. And then the commoners went, oh, no, I don't want to seem like I'm not fancy. Look, all the rich people wearing their powdered wigs, all the barristers. <laughs> In the aristocracy, they're they're talking they're talking fucking weird, and then you know a lot of them would be like, "I don't want to talk like that." They sound like a bunch of fops. And then the second he said fops, he turned into one. You can't even say fop. So they started copying the aristocracy, and now all of them talk like they forgot. They just forgot how English works. You can't listen. This is what I have to tell people. That's what I tell British people all the time. You invented the language. 
of English and that language includes the letter R, why don't you say it? <laughs> there has to be a reason. You chose to stop saying it. Nobody invented They didn't come up with R and go, nah, we won't be needing that. <laughs> Are we going to say R? No? Okay. And just you throw it out. You go, oh, no, that one's not getting used. Just get rid of that right there. What are you putting through that? Oh, I actually call that an X. All right, so let's take a look at this. That was a bit of a detour. He is Stephen Wright. I think he's with us for the phone. He called him, did he just call him Stephen Wright? I've, I've watched this a million times, and I've never noticed that. Hang on, let's roll that back for just a second. I believe he just referred to Stephen Merchant as Stephen Wright, a far superior comedian. He is a splendid person. And it's good, because otherwise I'd punch him in the fucking goddamn face. <laughs> he is Stephen Merchant. Oh, no, no, he's, okay, he said Merchant. I just misheard. That would have been hilarious. For the full hour. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll also point this out. Whenever a guest is on and Norm is confiding more in, in uh, his sidekick, this is his sidekick, by the way, Adam Egret. He's sort of the Ed McBoy to Norm's Johnny Carson. So whenever he... He will like just absolutely stampede, steamroll over anything Adam has to say normally. And he'll, he won't even look at him. He'll be so lost in the guest, typically, if it's an interesting guest. But whenever there may be some doubt, some suspicion, if he's looking over at Adam quite a bit, checking in with him that what he's doing is okay, what's happening is funny, that Adam is laughing, it's out of nerves. You know, Norm was a nervous guy. He would take Xanax to get up on stage. So I believe he's looking at Adam a little too much for this one. I think Adam knows, you know, people think Adam's just a retard and he's not. He's, I mean, he's a fucking douchebag and I hate the fucking look of his cunt face. But I believe Adam knows just as well as anybody, especially Norm. They have meetings beforehand. I'm pretty sure Adam helps write the jokes that they do on the show. Adam will know just as well as Norm, if I'm right here, that Steven was second choice for this episode. By the way, this is the season premiere, season three premiere. So you would want a big guest for your season three. Ricky Gervais would fit that bill, but he was unavailable. Uh, I, uh, I didn't realize that the, um, that the show was going to have such hip uh, references yeah. uh, as William F. Buckley, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's been dead for what, 25 years? <laughs> it's ripped from today's YouTube. <laughs> it really is, yeah. The- so Norm admits right there that the reason he's doing this is he's been watching William F. Buckley on YouTube. That's interesting. I, I picked up on this right away. I don't know if you guys will. Listen, I'm, a, I'm a, an idiot. I don't know nothing about politics. I've never seen the news even one time. But I happen to know who William F. Buckley is. I happen to know a thing or two. See if you pick up on this. I'm going to let him keep talking here. It's watching this online. Yeah. You're going to go crazy. After about three hours on YouTube, you find it. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep, keep it up. So he went into a William F. Buckley rabbit hole, and that inspired the intro. So Norm is taking on the position of being William F. Buckley on firing line or whatever, which means Stephen Merchant is whoever William F. Buckley would be speaking to. Now, at the same time as this episode coming out, there was a a uh, Netflix documentary involving William F. Buckley and another man. 
was a popular documentary on Netflix. It was a big popular. That was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was yes, great. No, it was great. Who was he talking with? It was Norman uh, Mayer. No, uh, uh, Gore Vidal. Gore Vidal. Yeah. yeah. Gore Vidal. Okay. Now let's take a break from this for just a second. Quick little detour here. Gore Vidal, very famously Gore Vidal and William F. Buckley in the 1968 election, I believe, had a week-long debate session on ABC. It was basically a last-ditch effort to get viewers looking at ABC. And it worked. It's very famous. Many people have seen Not me. I've never seen it. I don't know a thing about it. I don't even know who the president was. or I don't know who the president is right now, to be honest. But I do know about this debate. And I do know one thing about Gore Vidal. And it's that after he died, it was revealed that he was a pedophile. His sister came out to say, Gore Vidal's sister says he was a pedophile. Okay? And there he is. And you can look at him and judge for yourself. I don't know. I want you to pay careful attention to a smile. We'll come back to that topic in a bit. Says here on the uh, page, this is the news apparently. The news says, buried on the second page of a New York Times style article about, wait, a New York Times style article? (laughs) So not by the New York Times? That's a weird wording. A New York Times style article. Well, who had the article? It was a New York Times style article from um, the Weekly World News. A New York Times style article about Gore Vidal's estate are quotes from his half-sister, Nina Strait. Ooh. Straight. Straight. Okay, all right, I like where this is going. Suggesting that Vidal may have been a pedophile. And his nephew, the actor and director Burr Steers, who says Vidal was afraid secrets about him would come out. Steers, ostensibly discussing Vidal's feud with conservative columnist William F. Buckley, said Vidal was terrified that Mr. Buckley had evidence that Mr. Vidal had sex with underage men. Or as straight put it, Jerry Sandusky acts. Which is not good. Mr. Steers said, I know Buckley had a file on him that Gore feared. It would make sense if the material was about him having underage sex. That would always make sense. If a man fears a file, you can put pretty high up on the list underage sex. It's like murder, sure, rape, of course. Underage sex? Wah, 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 ah! I'm a killer gorilla! That's one to alert the, the press about. Rape back then, not so much. Rape was fine. You could, in fact, you could, if you raped a child, (laughs) I'm saying that like there's another choice. Hang on a second, Jesse. Reel that one back. (laughs) You know what? Let's not even go down that thought process. That was just a misfire of synapses. Ooh, God. You know, even the article's trying to get me away from this topic. Gore spent a lot of time in Bangkok after all. There's only one thing you go to Bangkok for. Let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen. The place is aptly named. They came, they came up with the name after the expats showed up, I'm pretty sure. You're not going to Bangkok for the scenic views. You're not going to Bangkok for the food. You're not going to Bangkok for the never-ending memories you'll always cherish. Well, except that one, but you can never tell 
because then a guy might have a file on you. So it says uh, Gore also had a very Gore. What a terrifying! That's the most horrifying name a man can have. Hi, I'm uh, I'm my name's Jeff. What's your name? I'm Gore. Bada bing, bada boom, baby. Okay, that made no sense. Gore also had a very weird take. <laughs> very weird. All right, there's a very weird take on the abuse perpetrated by Catholic priests. He would say that the young that the young guys involved were hustlers who were sending signals. Yeah, you know the thing about an altar boy is they're always giving mixed signals to guys, especially guys with the name Gore. Hi, I'm Gore. This is my friend uh, Viscera <laughs> and his brother Entrails. They're always enough, and that's true. Gore Vidal would say all the time that, like, he, he would call everyone a prostitute. This is a real quote. He said, Everybody's a prostitute. You know, it's just a matter of price and all this stuff. Everybody? Everyone, even the children? Gore? Vidal also had a controversial take on the Roman Polanski case. Uh, rape case, referring to the then 13-year-old victim, Samantha Geimer, as a young hooker in a 2009 Atlantic interview. Oops. Gore. <laughs> Maybe. 1972 interview. 1980, and you're pushing it. 2009? We're a little far flung into the future for you to be calling a uh, a child rape victim a hooker. What is she, a crack whore? Okay, so Bugley's son, Christopher, who was not interviewed for the article, also mentioned his father, <laughs> his father's Vidal file. <laughs> we might have to read. This episode is now renamed to the Vidal files. <laughs> In a 2012 essay in the New Republic, when WFB died in 2008, I, wait, you're his son. <laughs> you call your dad WFB? Why not at least just call him D, you know, for dad? I found in his study more cluttered than King Tut's tomb a file cabinet bursting to the seams labeled Vidal Legal. Into the dumpster it went. Oh, phew. <laughs> Well, that was taken care of. Never mind the attorneys. Into the dumpster it went, and I still remember the sigh of relief upon heaving it in. This is sounding a lot like Christopher Buckley was maybe hiding something, too. The Times article does stress that other friends of Mr. Vidal told me they doubted he had sex with underage men. <laughs> They're not sure, but they doubt it, you know. Oh, boy, really seems out of character for the guy. The guy who calls rape victims prostitutes. Anyway, this is what we're dealing with here. Norm starts off the show by making himself William F. Buckley, which in turn would presumably place the man in this seat. You see where I'm going with this? Gore Vidal? When you were young, was Jimmy Savile on the air? Okay, Jimmy Savile. Now, if you haven't heard about Jimmy Savile, I don't even know what to tell They say, actually, here, here's what I'll tell you about Jimmy Savile, okay? Outed as one of the most heinous pedophiles of all time. Um, got away with it for years. People knew about it. 
And they still let him do it. That's the sickening thing. One of the most sickening parts of it is people were in on it and allowed it to happen, maybe even as far up as the crown. Um, he was a, a board member of a hospital where he would go in and rape victims of spinal injury, people who were comatose, couldn't move, paralyzed. And he would prey upon young girls who had been molested um, in a board. I mean, this guy was a real jerk. No, but they, <laughs> the thing about, the thing about, um, the thing about Seville is Saville. The thing about Saville is police described the number of victims he had. And I'm quoting here. They described the number of victims he had. The number was, the quote is, the number is staggering, which is bad. (laughs) When they can't even come, when the number is so large that they can't even come up with a number, when it's too large to even comprehend, and what you're talking about is those child hookers, uh, guys, right? It's bad. It's real bad. Jimmy Savile. Savile is Jimmy the, Savile the British was Very much on the air. In fact, when Jimmy Savile, who, for people who don't remember, yeah, he was, was knighted. He revealed to be one of our most heinous um, pedophiles and and general all round rotten eggs. Oh. But this only came out after he died. But when he died. You know, he was a figure from my childhood that I had great affection for. Oh, and did? I even sent a tweet saying, you know, R.I.P. Jimmy Savile. And then oh. within sort of 12 months, I was people were sending me pictures of that tweet. Oh, really, yeah, Steve? Yeah, really. And of course, it's all... It's a- now, that part's very interesting to me. So Stephen Merchant was like, oh, my God, I loved him. Jimmy Savile's the best. R.I.P. to the God. Rest in peace, King. Savile for life. We love him. We'll miss him. That's a legacy they can never take away. You're one of the greatest British presenters and entertainers and, um, and good Samaritans of all time. And that is something they can never take away. Oh, God. Oh, I'm getting tweets. This is not good. Now, if people were to Google a picture of Savile. Uh. Yeah, the way Norm says really. Well, he's going to say. Knowing that he was a horrible um, pedophile and general all-round rotten person, that you'd look at it and you'd go, of course. I mean, now you look at it, yeah. yes, that makes perfect sense. I mean, with these, like, weird... He would I wear, knew like, about weird, the pedophile. He would wear things a bit like this. I knew. The, <laughs> I knew the, okay, so now Stephen tries to turn it around on Norm there a little bit. I about the pedophile, but I didn't know about the all-around bad person part. <laughs> yes, well, I was... I, I suddenly realized that I couldn't remember all Real of these jerk. crimes. Yeah. I know well, they were heinous, and well, I also didn't want was, to lower the... Yeah, I can't remember them. It's the biggest news story in Britain ever, you know? <laughs> like, like this side of the, the Great War, the Second Great War, this is the biggest news story ever. And he's like, yeah, I don't remember the other stuff. I, I guess maybe he had sex with a kid or something. I don't know. Pfft, who knows? Who can even keep track of such things with celebrities and stuff? Who could even, who even cares, really? Tone this early in the show and just go into the real detail and nitty gritty of his pedophilia. Well, one of- yeah, it's like Weinstein. Everybody, that's 100% true. It, it, except it's way worse. I, I'll tell you this. You know, if I was Gore Vidal and I said, like, well, with Weinstein's victims, they were kind of hookers, I'd be like, oh, you know, like 50, 50 you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. You'd be kind of right. Weinstein's victims were at least of age. Hey, I mean, listen, if you're a big fat guy, let's say you're a big fat, gross job of the hut guy, you know, 
like Weinstein, and you rise to that level of of fame and rich and successful, and you can't use a little of that to throw around to have sex with a pretty lady? A pretty lady who you're giving a job to? What's the fucking point? Just be a gross slob who lives at home. You know? Who lives at home. (laughs) Before I pointed out that that made no sense, you took that on faith. You said, that's a fine sentence, sir. In your head, you were like, yeah, who lives at home? That What an idiot. What a loser. He lives at home. That's a normal thing to do. Jesse, that was a normal thing to do. That made no sense what you just said there. Weinstein, his victims were, you know, <laughs> they got to be in the movies at least. S- Savile's victims got to be in a hospital bed locked in going, oh, Weinstein's victims got to be, I don't know, Charlize Theron. The nitty-gritty parts was he he was such a powerful entertainer that he was put on the board of a hospital. He was on the board of a hospital, and he even had his... his Oh, oh, suddenly you know about the crimes. A minute ago, you didn't know all the crimes, Stephen, but now you remember the board of the hospital. The room in the hospital where he would, as we subsequently discovered, invite people patients why do you seem so excited by this he's getting he's getting a little frothy he's getting just a little bit like ooh, yeah no, you know getting a little excited and he liked, he liked, he liked uh, people or patients that were in, in comas or somehow disabled <laughs> i don't unable. know but that might that, be your own speculation no, 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 i don't know I that's he's right it, it is <laughs> he is saying norm is saying it with a grin but you know it, norm's Thing is, he wants to say exactly what you're not supposed to say. He can't help himself. I know the feeling. It's a, it's an addiction. Norm is a, has an addict had an addict's personality. He was a horrific gambler, probably a uh, a drug user. Although he would have told you otherwise, and uh, you know, lied about smoking, lied about drinking, lied about doing drugs and stuff. He had a gambler's uh, streak through him and an addict streak through him. Um, and one of the things he's addicted to is saying what you're not supposed to say. Now, obviously, he delights in that, but he's not delighting in the suffering of these victims <laughs> the way Stephen Merchant was. Wow, I'm glad we, I'm glad we kicked too. off with this and didn't build <laughs> to the Jimmy and Savile. And there's also <laughs> clips of Jimmy Savile on the air. Like Why did he bring him up? Before the show. Like, you know, but you know Norm, on his own, brought up Jimmy Savile. This is like... Five minutes into the interview. I have not clipped out very much here. Five minutes in, it's Jimmy Savile. He's asking about that. This is three years after the fact, I believe. It's at least three, uh, probably longer. It's probably five years after um, the huge inquest on what happened with Jimmy Savile. And Norm's not bringing it up because it's ripped from today's headlines. This is something on his mind while looking... (laughs) While staring into the hollow eyes of a strange man. Oh, it's, I, rem- I feel like I remember even when I was at school as a kid, I remember Jimmy Savile being regarded as weird. Okay. Like even then you'd sort of, you'd be, that was sort of the joke, you know, that he was weird yeah, and yeah, kind of eccentric yeah. and... Well, and, sort of all the jokes uh, uh, about children's entertainers are that they're pedophiles. That's what, in America, right. that's how, when you start stand-up... You, yeah, that's what well, it turns out a lot of them are. <laughs> How? Okay. I don't know if you caught this. Can I even... Let me let me roll this back here for a second. 
Because uh, now that hard cut you just saw there, I that's for me. But I believe right before that, I believe there's a cut right here where what did they cut out? What is there's so much missing stuff in this episode. And again, this never aired live. They premiered it as if it was live. Like they showed it on YouTube as if it was live, but it had these hard cuts in it from day one. What was being cut out of the conversation here? How far did Norm push these thoughts? In the final episode, he pushes it pretty far. So what could possibly be cut out? How Muslim is London right now the last time you were there? Now, obviously, he is trying to put a guy who clearly, you know, Norm loves the taboo. Stephen Merchant is terrified, and Norm can smell it on you. He's like a he's like a hunting dog, you know. He's like a, an old bloodhound named Jasper, sniffing it out. He knows immediately. He can sense your fear. He can sense your fear of the woke mob. This is a man that the Earth tried to cancel, okay? And he, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later too. And who came after Norm? Who was it? Who was behind all of this? But Norm can smell it. He knows a guy who's fearful. And meanwhile, Stephen Merchant also thinks of himself as sort of an edgy guy. If you were to listen to his uh, podcast or radio show with Ricky Gervais and, of course, famously Carl Pilkington, you would think of him as being sort of the, uh, the edgier one there. But Norm knows a phony when he sees one. And he puts the screws to him. And one of the most incredible, one of the most clever things Norm was always able to do, he was always able to pull this off. He forces you into a conversation about one thing with the express obvious intent to lead you into talking about another thing but making it your fault that they did it. Norm sets him up and he forces you to knock him down. This conversation is not about Muslims. Uh, well, I did a quick head count when I got back, yeah. just to check if any more had come in or left. And it seems like we're pretty, we're it's pretty even keel at the moment. Um, <laughs> Your mayor is, is uh, the uh, our mayor is. I heard he was that's right. Imam. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's yeah. Dumb, man. Yeah. Now, wherever it's a very culturally emoti. I don't want to speak for England yeah. when it comes to um, our Muslim population. Now, wait for it. Here comes the turn. Or, yeah. oh, I don't God. know that I'm. This is the prestige. Okay. There's a reason I played that clip at the beginning of the show. I believe Norm Macdonald. I believe what makes him a genius. I believe what makes him the greatest to ever do it. And I think we finally, I think it, it can finally be proven. These are thoughts I had long before his death, by the way. There's certain theories, you know, I actually, um, it was, I'll admit this. It was somewhat of a dream of mine to possibly get the chance to interview Norm MacDonald. Um, I'd seen him go on smaller shows before. It was certainly a possibility. He seemed more than willing to do that. And stupidly, I never even tried to make it happen. Just one of those regrets, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda sort of things. Never contacted him. I know people who know him. I know people in comedy who have worked with him directly, who have gotten, who have talked to him. Getting a hold of Norm MacDonald's not the easiest thing, even if you know him well. But 
it certainly wasn't outside the realm of possibility. And I had a certain set of questions I wanted to ask, things I've never heard anybody ask him before. Um, one of the things I originally wanted to ask him, and I, I'm glad I never got the chance. This is the one thing, the one good thing about not having done it is uh, it would have been like asking a magician to reveal how they did the trick. It, re- it really would have been stupid. Um, but now with him gone and with nobody to fill that vacuum, it's not going to happen. Sorry, Shane Gillis. You're a very funny guy. But you're not, you're nobody's norm. Nobody's been doing what Norm has done. I I believe Norm MacDonald is like the Chinese magician from the movie The Prestige. The trick isn't what you see on stage, it's what you see off stage. Everything about Norm MacDonald, and it's more obvious now than ever, now that you found out that through all of this, every time you watched one of these episodes, it, through the entire Norm Macdonald internet renaissance, his his time on Twitter, his appearance on David Letterman's final uh, or, or the top, final stand up appearance on David Letterman's show, um, all of this stuff, all of these amazing moments that happened in this man's career, he was suffering horribly and didn't tell anybody so you could keep laughing. Norm Macdonald was a character. There, there was no man there. There's no, there is obviously he's a person and he has a personal life, but everything you heard about him was a, a lie or a half truth or some sort of twist. I think now that the, that, that death has occurred, that he is gone, we are finally seeing maybe just maybe the first little hint of the curtain being pulled back a little bit. And uh, I won't say what my question specifically would have been for him in that manner, because again, it might just be too revealing. But I do believe that the... Comedy in general is a magic trick. It's just, it's it's making you surprised. That's all it is. It's, uh, It's misdirection. The setup... Makes you look over here, and you never see the punchline coming. The best comedians know that. Norm certainly did. And what Norm does here is such a great example of that. He's given us the setup, the Muslim thing. We're arriving to the turn, which is something he forces the guest, the guy he's talking to, to do. That's the turn. And then we get the prestige. It's qualified as perhaps I seem. You should never. You shouldn't be talking about Muslims. Probably. Uh-huh. Should we go back to Peter? Okay, here we go. We shouldn't be talking about Muslims. Stephen Merchant says, should we go back to pedophiles? Even though the <laughs> wait a minute, there's no equivalent. No, there's no equivalent. But I'm just thinking if you it feels like Jesus we're Christ. it feels like we're you've you've wanted to get into subjects which can cause ripples of oh, no, tension no, 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 to I an audience. I didn't mean to do that at all. Oh, oh, oh. The attention is to the audience. And of course Norm says in in the most believable voice of all time. Oh no no, I didn't mean to do that. 
Okay, Norm. There's definitely things I've said already <laughs> that I wish I could take back. <laughs> and I don't know what they are, I just know they're out there. Yeah, like, can I please now send an apology for everyone watching that I'm sorry, I thought I was going to come on to talk about my, um, oh. my, my light career in show business, <laughs> and instead I am now speaking for both Muslims, uh, the entire LGBT There's community. There's no I know, I'm just saying the different subjects you brought up. And also um, uh, Muslims. Gary Glitter fan club. Yeah. Now this is fantastic. Fascinating, and, and it, this might actually be the most revealing part of the entire interview. In that list of things, and this has not been brought up, I haven't edited it out or anything, in that list of things, at the end of it, Adam Egit just adds randomly, in, in a way that doesn't even technically make sense, which, thanks Adam, he says, the Gary Glitter fan club. They have not talked about that. That did not already come up. Okay? He just says that. Why is that in Adam's head? Did Norm and Adam discuss something before the show? The Gar- Obviously, famously, Gary Glitter, another British pedophile. What is happening here? Why did he bring that up? Gary Glitter was friends with, uh, now, I, with I, uh, I, I your friend s- Jimmy Savelle. Your friend. Your friend. He puts it on Stephen. He was your friend. These guys... Gary Glitter's friends with Savile, and you are friends with Savile. You're all friends. You're in the same boat. Don't, don't <laughs> give him the fancy name of Seville. Uh, Sir James Seville. But I, wouldn't they all get together kind of in Seville's, in Savile's dressing room, Gary Glitter would come out? And- I've got a speculation, which is, it's funny how... Um, uh, see, there was a number of artists and people who, so for instance, um, Gary Glitter yes. was caught doing inappropriate things, yes. and his music career, you know, correctly, right, right, rightly, sort of ended almost uh, overnight. Maybe. Did he have any? Yeah, but you uh, could say that. There was a Christmas want. song that he had, which in England was a hit every year, would come be on the radio every year, another rock and roll Christmas. Yes. Uh, I don't know who he wrote that with, but they're obviously and missing out on royalties now. And why is it just now. that I should not uh, get to listen to that anymore? Well, because he's turned out to be quite an unsavory character. So he puts it on Stephen. Why shouldn't, why shouldn't we be able to enjoy the work of famous pedophiles? Puts that on Steven. You explain that. Play it every time the Calgary Flames score a goal. They do. The evidence is mounting. Thank you very much. They say in the chat room. Louis Radio. The evidence. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that- Oh my God. I just realized that my mic has been panned slightly right this whole I've been thinking my left earphone was out this whole time. You- Nobody said anything. You guys are just fine with all right ear, right channel. You're just going to let me do this. Embarrass me in front of, in front of all of my friends, in front of Norm. The man died for the love of God. Okay. They just, they finally just cremated him and they took his ashes and they, they spread them. They spread eagle and fuck them, fuck them hard. Simon. Oh, no, yeah. in England, he, you never. He, well, he's been yeah. whitewashed from history, really? like 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 his, sort of like Stalin has removed him from, <laughs> from from all the old pop shows of the seventies. It's just a missing, just a pixelated <laughs> image, and that's true of another a number of people. But if it, if it had been T Rex who had committed those crimes, I still think. No, because I have a theory. It's to do with the, it's to do with the quality of the music. Yeah. See, with Jacko, we didn't wipe Jacko out no. from history because we didn't want to go to weddings and not have Billie Jean. Exactly. Now, one of the most famous people to ever make fun of Michael Jackson for being a homosexual pedophile 
is sitting right in front of this man. I'm not sure Steven is aware of Norm's career here. Okay. I, I, I think he has a, a vague awareness of it. So it's sort of, if the music was better in the case of Glitter, I think we'd have all, I mean, it felt like the entire world sort of s turned their back on the, on the, on the Jacko accusations, right? And just yeah. said, well, anything. Yeah. He didn't start doing this pre-dangerous. Uh, so right. we can listen to everything from the 70s and 80s. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, and he got away with it. I didn't and he, and he got away with it. He got, look how excited, and he got away with it. Look, he got away with it. Did he? I feel like he didn't do any, I, personally, I believe Michael Jackson and this is this is a, a very hot take. I think uh, you know a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of people on my side. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm the only person who thinks this. I personally believe that Michael Jackson did not fuck kids. Okay, and I don't even like to say it that way. But you know, uh, how else can you put it? Molest, rape, whatever you want to call it. I personally believe he did not abuse sexually children. I simply believe. He was a 40-something-year-old man who had little boys sleep in his bedroom with him, alone, without their parents, while putting out pornographic magazines and giving them alcoholic beverages, and also built his own Disney World in his yard to attract children to his home. And nothing ever happened! Nothing! Everything was cool! Eat ice cream every day. Everything is awesome. Blank check the movie. Come to my house, kids. I've got a roller coaster and no penis. Nothing. There's zero down there. I couldn't rape you. I couldn't even look at your sexy asshole if I wanted to. Don't even worry about Parents, bring the kids. I need playmates. <laughs> no, don't you get it? I never had a childhood. You see... My father was abusive. All right, I'm Michael Jackson, by the way. I'm not doing... This is my impression of Michael Jackson. This is what he sounded like. You don't know this. Behind the scenes, this is how Michael Jackson talked. He was, he'd go like, Listen, uh, the thing is, my dad was abusive to me. All right? He would... Uh, I was actually molested by him. He was violent, and he was verbally abusive, and he worked me like a like a horse. Uh, I never asked to be in show business. I, I'm blessed and I love what I do. But I never asked for this. I was forced into it by my father. And so I never got a chance to grow up. So I'm just a little boy myself. And I should play with other little boys. And we should take bubble baths together. And there's nothing wrong at all. Because Billy Jean is not my lover. Remember that? Remember Billie Jean? How could I be wrong? Now it's time to scrape my skin off. Ah! No more nose! You were going to come on and badmouth <laughs> Sir Jimmy Seville and the great national sport of Wait, cricket. Was he ever? Now he's calling him Seville. He says Sir Jimmy Seville as if he's being like fancy. Sir Jimmy Seville. He was a sir! And now what we know in hindsight here is that, you know, the royal family, they made him a sir, they made him an OBE or whatever. We know now that part of the royal family, Prince Andrew, was going off to Pedo Island. Remember Pedo Island? Jeffrey Weinstein or something? A guy? The guy 
who had the kids and they fuck them, Bill Clinton. I thought it was a matter of public record. So this guy was going and fucking kids at the same time as, as Jimmy. You can't act like, oh, oh, yes, sir. Yeah, he was a sir. He was a sir. One day, Stephen Merchant may indeed become a knight of the realm. What exactly are these knights up to? Okay, what is this, Camelot? King Arthur? What do they need protecting over there at uh, Buckingham? At Buckingham Palace? I have a feeling there's a large Vidal file hidden somewhere in there. You want to talk about the crown jewels? You think those are heavily guarded? You don't even know where they're keeping their Vidal files. A knight? Yes. They had to, I think they've retracted it. Oh, they retracted? Well, yeah, they retracted. Trump loved Epstein. Lots of photos together. 100% true. Trump is a pedophile. Bill Clinton is a pedophile. Prince Andrew. Basically, every member of the Democratic Party is a pedophile. Every politician's probably a pedophile. They're all in on it. Okay. You know who else knew about this? Vince Foster. To Bill Cosby's uh, Medal of Freedom. By the way, I know that that guy who said that in the chat room is um, a mental psychopath from Reddit who creates millions of accounts and accuses everyone on Reddit of being me. Very bizarre guy. And he thinks I don't realize it's him in the chat room right now under the name Lou the Handicap Dude. It's like the most obvious troll of all time. I don't care if you say Trump is a pedo. He probably is. Frankly. I have sex with kids. Frankly, it's true. It's true. I went to Pedophile Island. I did. I don't care. <laughs> you think I like Trump? I don't like any of these people. I'm the guy sitting here saying Stephen Merchant is a... Oh, actually, no. Norm MacDonald said that and not me. I had zero to do with that. I'm not Norm. I, I don't know why he'd get a Medal of Freedom <laughs> in the Isn't first place. Is that a thing, a Medal of Freedom? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say Can I, I just say as well that Michael Jackson was never convicted of any He's crimes right. that I've accused right. him oh, of. Yeah, so I apologize. Oh, okay. And Stephen Merchant wasn't either. Oh, okay. Like, say, I don't find- oh, by the way, he wasn't convicted, so... You remember the Arabs. So he must not have done it. Unless you get a conviction, you're probably innocent forever, right? I just just would like to issue a series of apologies again. I just feel like we've got to this point and I've made, I've banded around comments about Michael Jackson, which are not substantiated. I'm a huge fan of his case. Excuse me, me, Norman, you all have your time. He was found not guilty. He was found not guilty of everything. Nothing was substantiated or proven. His music is wonderful. Wow. There's a lot of defending of a potential Peter. Well, I still am a huge fan of everything pre-dangerous. After that, I think it's a bit wobbly. Um, and so I'd like to make no comparison between him and Gary Glitter, who is a convicted what, one-hit wonder. Now, I don't understand. Do you mean they were they so got, they got, they got kicked out, out they of kicked Larry out. King line? Bigger they did? Bigger star. Okay, so this is an interesting part. They're talking about Farrah Fawcett died on the same day as Michael Jackson. I remember this. I, I remember thinking, like, well... <laughs> There goes that funeral. Nobody's going to give a shit. Farrah Fawcett dies, and then three hours later, the news breaks about Michael Jackson dying. Farrah Fawcett's family is in to be on on, uh, Larry King Live, okay? And they're going to talk about... And then the news breaks 
and they usher out Farrah Fawcett's family. That's what they're talking about here. A much bigger star died. Yeah. They said, we'll have you back. Never had him back. I always get anxious when I'm on a plane and I see a much bigger celebrity than me. And I now this is, okay. Now this is where Norm starts to let the mask entirely slip on what's going on. Why he's being so combative. I think this is the most interesting part when it comes to that aspect of the interview. Yeah. If this goes down, is that I'm almost get every I'm be like small. So it's easy to miss there. Let me roll that back one more time because I probably spoke over it. So Stephen Merchant's afraid about seeing a more famous person on a flight because then he'll never, no one's ever going to write in the papers about his death. You mean they were kicked out of Larry King Live? Bigger star, they did? Bigger star. A much bigger star, star died. died. Yeah. They said, we'll have you back. Never had him back. I always get anxious when I'm on a plane and I see a much bigger celebrity than me. And I think yeah. if this goes down, Is that I'm going to get mentioned. Yeah, like small print, almost every flight, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We'll be back in a second. So Norm just says to the man's face, you're not very famous at all, really. Is that almost every flight you're afraid of? Now, listen, that could just be a joke. Banter. I get it. People do that, especially to their friends. They're not friends. They're not that friendly. He would never do that to, you know, one of the older guests he brings up. He wouldn't even do it to Todd Glass. And if you've ever seen the double Todd Glass episode of Norm MacDonald, you'd realize Norm would do just about anything to fuck with that guy. He looks at him as a, uh, as a complete buffoon. But he wouldn't even say that to Todd Glass. So you meet. Uh, so this is this explains a lot. So you start. You're you're the guy's fucking assistant. Right. So that never goes away. Right. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So I did a lot. So right there, he lays it all out. The way Stephen Merchant got his job was by being Ricky Gervais's assistant. That was the original setup, and that never goes away. You're always going to be under him second banana you can never rise above that's what he's saying here to the man's face you just don't say that typing yeah. and laundry yeah. and um and that's why you are not in all right let's not make the, i shouldn't have even pointed out that i knew who that was in there listen the guy under the name lou the handicapped dude he's that guy renaissance meng on, look him up on YouTube. It's ridiculous. He he films himself sleeping. He's got he looks like a combination. This is what somebody told me on Reddit. He looks like a combination between um if Mersh and Royce had a baby. All right. I don't want to make this about him. So like just fucking time. He's gonna be back under a hundred accounts. Just get rid of him. Who cares? I don't want the chat to be filled up with spam. We're talking about norm. I'm having a nice time. I'm enjoying this. I haven't cared about anything he said, but if you guys can now not pay attention to anything else and he's that big of a thing, do whatever. I don't care. Leave him or don't. Just pay him no heed. Just don't pay attention to him at the very least, for the love of God. He's, this is what he's dying for. He create all day long. He's got no job. No job, nothing going on in his life. He creates hundreds of accounts to do this. This is not a lie. This is an over-exaggeration. I'm not saying he's obsessed He's a he's a horrifically um, pathetic Mersh simp, okay? I'm trying to take a diet for Mersh right now. This ain't a Mersh episode. Come back on a Mersh episode, Mersh simp, and simp for Mersh then. Guard his guard your queen's favor 
Then, this episode is about a pedophile. There's no equivalency. Mersh and a pedophile, there's no equivalency. The office. Uh, no, not really. I think it was more... Wouldn't he be a great Gareth? Well, he played Gareth's friend. Well, not yeah. so... The Ark Monster. Well, do we uh, want to get into it? Is, yeah. it? is this interesting or yeah, is it just boring? Okay, now this is... I love this part. Alright, <laughs> see? Now I'm missing it because you guys can't pay attention. Not really. I think it was more... Wouldn't he be a great Gareth? Well, he played Gareth's friend. Well, not... Yeah. What? So... The Ark Monster. Well... Do we uh, want to get into yeah, it? Is, yeah. it? is this interesting? Yeah, is it just... So Norm wants to like, why weren't you on the show? If you're good and you're funny, why weren't you on The Office? You wrote it. Ricky was on it. He was the main character. Why weren't you the funny, tall guy, Gareth? And Steve, this must eat away at Stephen Merchant every day of his goddamn life. How would it not? How would you not go, wow, I had the opportunity to be way more famous. I had the opportunity to be part of one of the most celebrated comedies out of Britain of all time. I had the opportunity to be the funniest character on there, like the most odd character on there. And and it would have perfectly suited me to do so, and I didn't. And Norm is just pointing all of this out, and he's got to go, oh, yeah, who cares? No one cares about this. Very interesting. People love the office. Sure. Uh, so why were you not in the show? Well, uh, you must have wanted it like crazy. No, not really, because we were writing it and directing it and sort of producing it and editing it. So we, were, both of you were doing that. Well, I know exactly, but I th yeah, yeah. If Ricky could do that, why couldn't you be in it too? If we'd both been in front of the camera and behind the scenes, I mean, I just don't think it ever occurred to me. I mean, it was sort really? of like it was kind of. Well, I was just amazed we were doing it. It never occurred to you. I have autism. I can't You never thought, like, I would like to be famous. I would like to be both rich and famous. Please. Can I be on the TV now? It didn't, it didn't occur. To, it certainly occurred to you after the fact because you've been on TV now and in movies. In fact, I would say since The Office, you've done nothing but try to be on shows with your face. Your horrifying face. Again, those eyes, though. Ugh, I feel like he's looking at me right now. Can he hear what I'm saying? Stephen, are you watching right now? Like they're boring a hole into me. Speaking of boring, Stephen Merchant. At all. Yeah. And just privileged and like, this is incredible. And sure. I mean, it was only after the series had finished when I you saw... Know, you know he thought about it every single day. He has to. He has to. You would, I would. That would be the rest of your life going, damn it, I missed my shot. Why didn't I do that? It never occurred to you. And this is where the cards, like this is where the, the Steven-specific cards start running out. Norm's questions are now all for Ricky Gervais, and so he's got to adapt them for this man. All the free stuff that Ricky got sent, and, you know, and the privileges and the restaurant reservations and everything, but then I thought, I'll have a piece of that. But at the time, it never occurred to me. The only reason that Gareth, you might think I would be similar, is because he started doing an impression of my voice. Uh, he's a millionaire, they say. Oh, sure. He's a millionaire. Did you know his... If you... Would you really know his name? If you... If they showed you a, a slew of lanky, famous, funny guys... Would you be able to go, that's Stephen Merchant? Listen, he's a millionaire, I'm sure. Maybe. Probably. He's probably a millionaire. 
Ricky Gervais, what does that make him? If Steven Merchant is a millionaire, then what the fuck is Ricky Gervais? That's the point. Oh, so so, so I, he sounds a bit like worse. That. No, because we asked him to. <laughs> yeah, so they asked the character, the guy who played Gareth, to sound like Steven Merchant. He's doing an impression of... Why not just you be the character? A surprise. I didn't get in the editing room and go, wait a minute, that sounds like someone I know. Um, <laughs> so you so, say, could you act like me? It... You, you, this must have occurred to you that this is very similar to Larry David. Now, Norm's going to keep making this point, and Stephen's going to keep not getting it. It's an excellent point. That's very similar to Larry David's setup here. I won't further explain it because Norm will do that for me here. But I believe there is a hidden suggestion behind this setup here. We'll get to that. Hmm? Your, your, your career trajectory. Oh, I see. Larry David. Oh. Right. You. Who, by the way, friends with Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> now, you want to talk about Pedophile Island? <laughs> Alan, who's worse? The guy who runs Pedophile Island or his lawyer? <laughs> his lawyer who visits Pedophile Island with his own children. Alan Dershowitz, great friends with Larry David until here's what happened. Larry David found himself good friends with Alan Dershowitz. He one day found it unconscionable to continue his relationship with Alan. And the reason for that was because of the terrible, terrible things that Larry had heard about Dershowitz. You see, it occurred to Larry that Alan Dershowitz had said, well, he had defended Rudolph Giuliani and Trump. So that was a bridge too far. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. All the child rape accusations. Ah, pretty, 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 pretty cool. But this Giuliani stuff, eh, forget about it. Seinfeld too. You do well, Seinfeld, then you do a show by yourself. You, you do a show by yourself. Right. And that's what I found. Uh, um. And then you heard Stephen Merchant just said there under his breath, like, well, I'm not as successful as Larry David. You think? You think that might be the point of what's happening here? Maybe that's what Norm's saying? Fascinating about your show and, uh, and Curb yep. is then I could see what was Larry David's and what was... Uh, uh, Jerry. Jerry Seinfeld and I can right. see what was yours and what was Ricky Gervais's because right, right, right. obviously you're not going to steal his moves for your show right 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 now that's not an accusation is it I I'll be honest here the show they're talking about was a show on HBO called Hello Ladies I've never seen a single minute of it not a second of it I have no idea I would like to take a look at that Maybe if you have seen it tell me does it have the feeling of the office does it have the feeling of other projects ricky gervais has worked on because to me that was dripping with sarcasm but i don't know i'm not going to make that accusation because i don't i have not seen the evidence for it the evidence is not mounted on that one for me so let me know in the chat room if you've seen hello ladies with steven merchant my guess is you probably have not because it was canceled 
after one season, which I believe is the point in comparing Stephen Merchant to Larry David. Larry David spins off into his own thing and undoes the injustice he played upon himself by not playing George Costanza in Seinfeld. And Stephen Merchant fails spectacularly. So that was very interesting. But you- I don't know anybody who's ever seen that show. I'd never heard of the show, in fact, until long after it had already aired. I'd completely forgotten about it until researching tonight's episode. But you must have. But I don't think, I think probably, I'm sure if you... I think I'm the only one that liked Hello Ladies, they say in the chat room. It's Larry when he was doing something. I don't know that he was necessarily, I mean, I don't know, but I wouldn't have thought he was necessarily itching to be on screen every 10 minutes. I mean, I oh. think... Yeah, Larry David had no desire to be part of... <laughs> To be on screen of the most successful sitcom of all time. That's just why he played the voice of every character on there. That's why he was oftentimes an unseen character. Like a a guy whose face you can't quite see, but you can see his body. He's the voice of George's boss, Steinbrenner. He's the voice of a guy on the phone every time. Anytime you hear a guy's voice, it's Larry David. But nah, he didn't want any part of that. you know, the pleasure of writing the show and making well, it and everything is, is enough, I think. So anyways, you- it was shit, they say. HB in the chat says he's seen it. It was shit. But did it have similarities to Ricky Gervais' projects? That's the important thing. I'm sure it was crap. It was canceled after one season. I just want to know, is there any possibility that Stephen Merchant is now trying to ride those coattails harder than they could possibly ever be ridden? So you do The Office. It's a big hit. You begin to resent Ricky Gervais. <laughs> I mean, that's what you said. I didn't say Yeah. His success, not him. No, I didn't person. resent him. I just, I, you know. Uh, Suddenly you're in a different circle, though. I mean. What do you mean? Well, money. Uh, <laughs> just straight up saying it. You are a lower strata than your partner who I wanted on the show tonight. Money Good. separates people. Between he and I, or between me and other people? Or did you both have enough money that you didn't? Fuck, the Seinfeld reunion storyline on Curb had Larry wanting to replace Jason Alexander as George. It's 100% right. It's right there. I mean, you think that wasn't, you know, ripped from today's headlines? That wasn't based on a true story? Okay. Did you get enough money? I'm saying, did you get enough money from from that show? Uh, Ultimately, I did. But Wilson needs to stay below the fence i really like that analogy that's excellent lucas not not between making the office and extras in which i did appear oh okay but in extras i appeared uh partly because uh you know it'd be nice to have um you know hotel reservations uh-huh. uh hotel reservations very specific i meant restaurant reservations so he's flustered he's saying things he doesn't mean to say this is getting embarrassing for him he's turning beet red yeah hotel reservations also great um not that you can't get hotel or restaurant reservations being non-famous <laughs> yeah. really really easy now. The, the neuradrenaline is ru- coursing through his veins this has been a very difficult interview for him. I've never seen a guy. I've never. I've been with very famous guys. Yeah, and like uh, walked into a restaurant and they never go get out. Sandler's here and kick people out of their. You know. No, but I think they can probably find a table that perhaps wouldn't be open to someone if, if the likes of you and I walked in together. Yeah, you know. We would yes. we'd, we'd have to line up with everyone else. Now you see how Stephen puts Norm in the same categories him the likes of you and i walking together now it's true norm mcdonald not the most famous guy certainly i mean you know he had his moment though he definitely had his moment 
I'm not sure Stephen Merchant had that moment. And I think Norm realizes he's been put on his heels in this moment and is sort of taken aback by this and turns it around. Um, so, yes, that, but also that as we wrote together, I seemed like I was a kind of resource that was there. You know, I was going to be on the set anyway, so uh -huh. why not stick me in? This Plus, is an I, extra. Yeah, in extras. Something that did not occur to you in the office. Right. Well, just because there was not a character that lent itself to me to play, really. Except the guy Who's that the you directed of, yeah. to, to act just like you. No, no, no. He just... <laughs> so, yeah, other than that. The voice. He did my voice. <laughs> he doesn't... Yeah. He, he did my voice because... And, and Larry David. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, George Jason Costanza. Alexander. Yeah. George, yeah. George, George Alexander. What's his name? George Costanza. Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander yeah. did the voice of... Oh, he was doing Larry? Yeah. yeah. Right. So you guys really have a lot in common. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, he doesn't speak the Queen's English, but other than that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, this guy I met, you were telling me how you met. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in New York, and he worked under the Queensboro Bridge jerking off men for $15 a man. Oh. Now, I want to point out that this is a running gag on the show. I mean, even outside of the show. This is a running gag, but it does take an interesting direction in this particular interview. It goes it goes in a course it doesn't normally, and I believe here is where Norm puts Steven in his place in the hierarchy of comedians. So good, good value. Yeah. Good value trickle. LOL, Norm is just tearing apart this weirdo. I, that's what I feel, but there are people on the internet who disagree with that. I find that I I hope that at the very least by the end of this episode, you will find that a little bit more difficult to believe. And uh, you met him how you were. I was a uh, I was a huge star. He said I was a huge star. How did you meet him? I was a huge star. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I was a big big star. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, this was we have a, a show in uh, America, Saturday Night Live. Okay. So okay so. One of the institutions of comedy. I I was on that, and uh, and so I was the the best guy that was. <laughs> you were the, the funny. I was the best guy that was ever on that show. Now Norm, in a in a moment of hubris, there just a little bit of ego, finally says something true, which is yes, you you were, he was, and you have to remember when Norm was on Weekend Update, that was. That was the peak. That was the peak of those seasons. People hated those seasons, but they loved Norm. They loved Norm. The guy who started Weekend Update, Chevy Chase, says Norm was the best to ever do it since him. Obviously, he's not going to put him over himself. But <laughs> says Norm was the only other guy to ever get it right. When Norm was fired from SNL, from, from Weekend Update on SNL, it made him more famous than he was while he was on it. So this is absolutely true. Norm right here is saying, no, 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 no. Maybe you're a millionaire. Maybe it's paid dividends for what you've uh, helped co-create with the office. I'm sure the American office, something you had very little to do with, has really given you a nice paycheck. But you were writing coattails. I was the best to ever do it. Yeah, and then I met him. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was a young man. 
I, he said he was 18, but he looked 14. Now, yeah. this is a part that has never existed in any version of this story ever before. Suddenly, Adam Egan is not just jerking off punks for $15 a man under the Queensboro Bridge, but he is presumably lying about his age, and he is a child. He's one of these child hookers. And soft hands. <laughs> and he jerked off, man. $15 yeah. a man. Yeah. So at the time, there was a horrible story in New York. I don't know if this made it across the pond. <clears throat> there was this guy, Albert Fish. Right. Have you, do you know Never story? heard of him. So what he did was he kidnapped children. Right. And he... Somebody in the chat says, uh, HB says, people only know Norm now, now that he's dead. I don't agree with it. I think a lot of people seem to think they're the only one who knew about Norm and was a fan. Norm's been huge for a decade now. Basically, Norm got cancer and said, fuck it, I'm going to be the funniest guy to ever live, and did it. I, I might only have a year left. I might only have 10 years left. I'm going to do the funniest shit of all time. Norm's been wildly famous and funny again, at least on the internet ever since then. You're, don't think, don't be that guy who thinks like, oh no, I'm the guy you like. I'm special. Now, me, on the other hand, I understand him better than anybody. We're basically friends in the same person. Um, murdered them. And I mean, there's no other way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, so he's calling Stephen Merchant Albert Fish. 100%. Yes. This is the story of Albert Fish. But before he murdered them, he would cut pieces off of them. Would he? Yes. While they were alive. Yeah. And, but he knew enough, you know, he was almost like a with surgical ability to know how much blood. By the way, if I, I do recommend you watch this whole episode in its entirety without my commentary. Again, Masterclass, watch every episode. It's hard to find now. You can't get these in full on YouTube anymore. I'm probably going to get this episode banned as a result. But you can get these in full on archive.org. Search for Norm McDonald Live on archive.org. Um, this show should not be hidden from the internet. Somebody download it. Make sure we preserve this for all time. Uh, at the very least until somebody somehow, and I doubt it's ever going to happen, does it better. The child could lose. Yes. <clears throat> and still stay caught. Pod knew he was sick. I actually... This and rapeable. And he would take pieces off and put them in a stew. He would make a stew. He would rape what was left of the child. Right. <laughs> to get his appetite going. Uh -huh. And then he would, as he wrote in many letters that he sent to the editor, and, and you know, there were a lot of typos, which made it more disturbing somehow. Sure. I'm not sure why. But he just talked about how the rump of the girl was so, uh, I mean, this guy was a real jerk. <laughs> yeah, it must be getting to say that way. Okay, so no reaction to that, Stephen? You got nothing for that? Oh, yeah, it was beginning to sound that way. That's it? Not only did you not think that was funny, but you didn't find that horrifically disturbing. The guest, whenever Norm does that joke, it's always about something horrific. And the guest always has one of two reactions. They either understood it was all a setup to him saying the most underwhelming punchline of all time, or they're horrified still by what he said before to the point that they didn't even notice the punchline. Stephen Merchant's reaction to the rump of a girl making him more bloodthirsty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that does sound bad. Bad? Bad, maybe? I don't... B bad is what we 
Bad is what humans call this, yes? We, you and me, both the same kind of person in that we think this is bad? I remember when you interviewed Adam Sandler, there wasn't quite as much um, kiddie rape and and murder (laughs) in that one. That's true. Weird. What is the difference between you and Adam Sandler? Other than being, you know, Norm's friend, what is the what is the difference between Stephen Merchant and literally every other guest he's had on? Gee, I wonder. There is in this one. I don't know. There was a lot more frothy showbiz stories about your time on SNL. Um, perhaps you could share one of those. Perhaps where you first developed your William F. Buckley impression. Uh, was that a big hit on the show, or uh, people would go into celebrities' homes and they'd have to try and identify whose house it was from wandering around their home because the celebrity wasn't there; they were hidden, obviously. And they would say, "Look, there's a giant dildo, or whatever." So they're talking about a completely different subject. I've just cut into this, into the middle of this other subject they're talking about much later in the interview, and watch what happens here. And you make a guess, Jimmy Seville. <laughs> Jimmy Seville. And- so Norm brings up it. Stephen Merchant says there's a dildo in there, and Norm says it's Jimmy Savile. Uh, Am I saying that right? Jimmy Savile. Savile. Um, say his name right, please. Don't just not take his name in vain. <laughs> Don't take his name in vain. So now he has nothing but respect for the man. Interesting. The story changes every time this guy is brought up. You can't keep track of where Stephen Merchant is on the like-dislike ratio of Savile. Um, and, uh, yes, so Dave, but David Frost um, was, yes, whereas I think in the 60s he was considered Let's quite say Jimmy Savile goes into a... a... See, so he tries to... Stephen Merch is like, okay, let's stop it with the Jimmy Savile talk. I've had enough of the pedophile stuff. It's getting a little bit concerning. I'm starting to wonder, does Norm have a file on me? And he moves the conversation along. He goes back to, they were talking about David Frost before this, so he goes back to David Frost thinking this will get us off the topic. And Norm steamrolls over and goes, let's talk about Jimmy Savile some more. I mean, a guy is like, you know, the person is can't move. They're paralyzed. Yeah. <laughs> and the worst possible thing that he did. And he doesn't act upon that person. <laughs> right. Who's to say it's bad? Yeah. (laughs) Now, obviously, Norm thinks it's bad, but does Stephen Merchant think it's bad? Me? I'll say it's bad. Oh, okay. Oh, you do think it's bad? Oh, okay. How brave. All right. The lady is just lying there. You think her life's... uh, You don't think that's... She's just lying there. All of a sudden, a great entertainer... A, A knight of the realm. Fucks her. Yeah. See, a great entertainer, it's okay if a great entertainer does it, right? Right, Steven? You think that, right? I mean, with Jacko. Yeah. I mean, even, like you say, uh, you're uh, unwanted, uh, unwanted, W-O-N-T, allegations against Michael Jackson, there had to be kids that were like, this is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, Dave Chappelle ripped that joke off. Just saying. This is not some old priest. A lot. When I said Norm MacDonald's the only good one to ever do it, the best stand-up of all time, some of you in your heads went, I don't know, Dave Chappelle, did you see his latest special? I did. I saw the dedication to Norm at the end. I saw the whole thing. I think he ripped that joke off. I don't know. Dave Chappelle has been very funny before. Before. The special was okay. But when you have Six of them in as many years? Is it really that special? 
just wondering about. I have a priest, by the way. So, so watch this. I had to zoom in on this. Is my personal edit. This is not obviously in the original. Stephen Merchant gets uncomfortable and he starts doing discomfort things with his hand. He starts stimming to try to make himself feel better. I have autism. I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be hysterical sitting there hearing Norm say this shit. Of course, this should be a delight. But by the end of this interview. Stephen Merchant is acting like he's been put upon by being here. He's upset. They were like, well, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. This is not some old priest. I'm just wondering about... I have a priest, by the way. Can I just ask that because... I'm, 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 I'm... So he's rubbing the desk. He's, he's furiously fingering the desk. Will this come up later? Catholic, but I know... You have a priest anyway? I know a priest. Yeah. And I feel sorry for them because most of them don't fuck children. I just yeah. want to put that on the record that more teachers fuck children than priests, okay. and yet teachers are heroes and... and Finally someone brave enough to say it. <laughs> now, to be clear, both of Norm's parents were teachers, so he's obvious... He's just fucking around. He's saying anything to get at this guy's goat. Right. Um, but of course, the, what concerns me is that you have um, your uh, amendment, Second Amendment, whichever it is, which Third, Fifth Amendment. I don't. Which, now Stephen's worried about what's happening here. Whichever amendment, First American. Amendment, whichever one okay. it is that allows. No, but, no, but the show here is being made in, in America. Okay. Yeah. So you have it too. Right. I don't know. This is the question. I don't, if we go back to our respective countries, yeah. can we now be sued for libel? Or is the fact that this show is originating from America, does that absolve us? Do you see? Because so when we when we well, land, there's different libel slander laws. Mm, there's the different libel laws. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, it's in, what's most interesting about that is Stephen Merchant saying that as if he might be the one sued for libel and slander. But then he says to Norm, "If you go back to your country, to, is he implying that maybe if Norm says a little too much?" He could potentially try to sue Norm. I'm just wondering if if who's going to sue me when I land at Heathrow <laughs> in about three weeks' time. <laughs> the estate of Savile, the, the queen. Stephen isn't a sex case. This dude's whole act, ever since the office stuff, has been like how bad he is with ladies and how he tries to get with them and how he's so sex-tarded and how he can't... Oh, boy, he's he wants the women so bad... Meanwhile, he's got, like, I've seen him on red carpets with some beautiful, gorgeous women. All of them child size compared to, if you're a tall guy like us, six foot seven guys like me and Stephen Merchant, you have to date Amazon women, okay? I've never dated a woman under six feet tall. They've got to be huge. They have to look like they're part of the um, WNBA. Well, you know, one part of them has, like, their height does, not the other thing. But Stephen Merchant gladly dates a five foot six lady and tells her, oh, you, don't worry, love. Don't bother with the heels. <laughs> Keep your flats on. No, sound is a pound. We're all good. Um, I, something about it. a guy who's always talking about sex, even if it's that he's no good at it, there's something fishy. Go there's something Albert fishy going on there. Stephen Merchant isn't a sex case. Just you wait. Just you wait. Don't get ahead of yourself. 
this episode isn't over when these clips are over. Uh, the Muslim community. Well, let me ask the, you about the Jackson family. Well, let me ask you for a moment about the Arab Spring. Finally, and this is the question I came to talk about. So put him back on his heels. It's what's weird is you're not even drunk. Now, here's the part where Stephen finally starts saying, like, okay, what is happening here? Why are you doing this? Why are you acting like this? He starts calling out Norm. And yet, and yet it's, the illusion of it is extraordinary. Have you had a stroke or have you had a breakdown? It's a breakdown. You just had a slight, just a little oh light breakdown on the way in the car. Now, Norm must know Stephen well enough to know that Stephen's the guy who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And Norm knows that because any room he walks into, Norm is the smartest guy in the room. But he doesn't want you to know it. It's his job to make you think he's dumber than you. Stephen Merchant wants you to think he's smarter. Stephen Merchant is not smarter than Norm MacDonald. Not by a country mile. Stephen Merchant, one of the things he's done... I, I listened to the podcast with Carl Pilkington. He loves lording over Ricky Gervais and Carl Pilkington as if they're both buffoons. I mean, Carl Pilkington, sure, maybe, but you think you're smarter than Ricky, the famous guy? The guy you're now wishing you were so bad? Why do you think Norm is saying this stuff to you? So he loves saying, oh, no, you've had a mental breakdown. This is what Norm has been baiting him into for the entire interview. Every single thing is about you're the guy who thinks you're so smart, don't you? How can you, how would you deal with somebody? By the way, you know, I have to talk about this. Carl Pilkington, okay? And this is going to be difficult for some of you. And for some of you, you'll go, I knew it. I was right, but you weren't. I have been of two minds about Carl Pilkington for years. If you don't know, Carl Pilkington's this, um, Bald little mangy, round-headed twat. This orange-headed manky little—I don't know what they call him. Uh, he's this guy from the uh, podcast that Ricky and and Stephen would do together, and he's an idiot. He's a goofball. Everything he says is like so outlandishly dumb that it's almost clever. And for years, the question has been, is he faking it? Is he just a character? And Ricky and Steven always go, no, 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 no. We don't write what he says, none of that stuff. He is, Carl is Carl. And for years, I would be the guy going, if you think he's making this stuff up, you're stupid. And then I started listening to it, like really listening. I didn't really listen to their podcast back in the day, but recent history, I started listening back to it. And... I've always thought the people who think that somebody who is like so clear, like Kay's good cooking. We make fun of this British lady who cooks on the show called Kay's good cooking. And I have people going, she's in on the joke. She's a troll. She, she's not. I've spoken to her in real life. I've dealt with her enough times. I've trolled her enough times. I've sent, I've sent people to her home enough times to know that this woman ain't faking it. So whenever I see comments like that, I'm quick to judge. I'm quick to say, Hey, wait a second. You don't fucking know anything about anything. You don't know about funny or trolling or none of this. Maybe I don't either. I probably don't. But I'm pretty sure I know that Kay isn't faking it when she um, burns her food on the stove and thinks like, yeah, that's done. All right, that's good. And I looked at Carl Pilkington the same way. 
And I, I scoffed at every comment saying, oh, that's just a character. Well, we were both right. I've looked at it again. The evidence is mounted. Carl Pilkington is not a character. And he is not written by Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais. But he is 100% in on the joke. I am now at the point where I may actually truly believe that Carl Pilkington is a little closer to Norm MacDonald than Stephen Merchant will ever be. I think he's the guy playing the guy. Some of the stuff he says and does on that show is so profoundly clever that it is impossible. Clever is not... It's, it's not smart. Clever and smart are not the same. But rarely does clever meet stupid. Rarely does clever meet complete imbecile, which is what they treat him like. I think Ricky and Steven both know this. I think they know that he does write some of these funny things that he says. They very often went to a supposed diary of his for comedy which why did he start keeping a diary? He's not the type of guy to do that. Well, because it's not a diary. It's a book of funny thoughts. So many comedians have something like this, but they treated it like he was, oh, isn't he crazy? He's got a diary. <laughs> oh, I'm so much smarter than him. So if that blows any illusions for people out there, I apologize, but Carl Pilkington is 100% not a character, but a funny guy. And he might be playing it up a little bit in the way that Norm MacDonald's not technically a character, but he's certainly not the guy he presents himself to be either. Stephen Merchant, who has had years to deal with with one of these types of people is sitting in this interview thinking he's smarter than the guy playing him. This might be the most perfectly set up interview of all time. And there's no chance Norm doesn't know that because Norm would be able to sniff that out immediately. You'll notice Adam Eget in this episode keeps asking Carl Pilkington questions. I cut them out because they're so annoying. It's like, it's what any fan would ask. They're so stupid. And Norm barely brings him up. He doesn't bring it because he knows. Wait a second. I'm Carl in this scenario. And nobody likes Stephen Merchant when they look. They're listening for Carl. Carl outshines them both. He might not be the most famous one. He might not be the richest one of the trio. But you ain't listening for Stephen. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure I've watched some I'm of these trying. other editions of the show, and I'm pleased. I'm pleased to see that I've not that I've broken. Yeah, some. he 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 was in Coronation Street. That's the other thing about Carl's. Like, I'm just a guy. I was just an engineer. I was a producer on the show, and now you're like an actor and stuff. You've been in like a million shows now, playing characters, and you're acting. Like all of a sudden, you can just act. If you were a real complete numbskull, I'm not, I mean, obviously you don't have to be smart to be an actor. God damn. It's literally playing pretend a child could do it. Monkeys do it. I've seen, I've seen some really good monkey actors. You ever seen Dunstan checks in one of my favorites. 
Oscar worthy. They really, he got robbed that year. I don't know who won the year Dunstan checks in came out. They should have considered him. Also the elephant from Operation Dumbo Drop. The point is, if you were that dumb, you wouldn't even bother taking the roles. You wouldn't even get into it. You wouldn't have a TV show where like, oh, every week you've got a funny thing. You're an idiot abroad where you go to new places. You've got a funny thing to say every time. It's impossible. Rule of only having white blokes on the show, which seems to be. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Okay, so Norm's got to blow him out of the water on this. He's baited him into saying something stupid like this. Editions of the show, and I'm pleased. I'm pleased to see that I've not. I, that I've broken from the rule of only having white blokes on the show. Which. Wow! What a great point. I'm not laughing. I'm clapping. I'm clapping because of how good the thing you said is. Boy, Steven, you really put you, you, you were on the show with the guy who was also a white man and the other guy who was also a white man. How many black people were on the office? A do 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 go 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 go. Oh yeah, no, you're so woke, Steven. Yeah, every movie you do is got it's more black guys. Actually, it should be more more black guys and ladies and everything. Actually, you shouldn't even get any parts, Steve. Steven, as a white man, they shouldn't even hire you. It should all be women of color. Used to be, I yeah, don't, yeah. You've only, you only have white men and Roseanne because it's the a, because it's, it's supposed to be a comedy. Right, right, right. But, I'm a killer gorilla! Pot Awful makes me do that. I'm Tom Gully, and you're watching Is This Live? The show on the Pot Awful TV network. Potawful.pizza. Supposed to be. It's supposed to be. It's allegedly. I'm glad I've done this show. So he says, thank you. It's great. So Steven just says, out of nowhere, by the way. I cut it out of what it was in, but out of nowhere, he just goes, no, I'm glad I've done this show. Because it was getting to be the feeling like, oh, nobody's enjoyed this. Have you? Thank you. I appreciate it. You're, you're, uh, I mean. So Norm is like, no, no, we were so glad to have, we really wanted you. And you can see him searching for something to say. And then he says something. So unbelievable. Wow, you'd be like the top three guests, probably. I would agree. The top three. I mean, he's had on Adam Sandler at this point. He's had on Roseanne at this point. He's had on Carl Reiner, fucking legend of comedy. He's had, I mean, the top three guests. Who are the other two? Ricky Gervais and Carl Pilkington? Well, I, I've top three guests. We 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 used to quote The Office like constantly, and oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Norm's like, oh yeah. And then he goes on. I cut it out. Norm goes on to give an anecdote about how stupid people who have no sense of humor will quote very funny things like The Office. He uses uh, Monty Python as the example, but it immediately follows Adam saying that. Because one name was on SNL, and the producer's name, the producer's name on SNL was Lauren Michaels. Mm -hmm. 
and I was doing a bunch of about a bunch of uh, jokes about Michael Jackson. And he said, Norm, you don't want to get sued by Michael Jackson. And secretly, I did. <laughs> I didn't tell Lauren. So what's those defamation laws again, Stephen? I thought, how fucking cool would that be? Sure. I'm in court, and there's Michael Jackson on the other side. Yeah. It's Michael Jackson against Norm. That has to help my profile <laughs> a huge amount. Well, if anyone wants to sue today, please feel free to sue Norm. He's, already, he's looking for that. <laughs> and again, if anyone wants to sue for this... Stephen Merchant, uh, Norm is dead, but feel free to sue his estate. And his, I mean, gosh, the, he left behind a child, you know. Uh, you, you wouldn't want to do that to Norm's kid, would you? He, the man had a gambling streak. I'm not sure how much money he had left to his name. You wouldn't want to do that to the poor people who were left behind. to Because no, it's Norm accusing you of this, not me. This, what do you call it? The Savile estate. Yeah. <laughs> and he just brings up Savile again. <laughs> It's funny how you remember poems when you're a child, yeah. huh? Okay. Now this one, this one, nobody got. There's no chance anyone saw this. Maybe one of the biggest clues in the whole thing. They start talking about poetry. Do you remember Wilfred Hyde White? No, I think that was an actor. That was an actor, yeah. You're thinking of he Wilfred Owen? He's always played the old man. That's right, yeah. I was thinking of Wilfred Owen. Yeah. Uh, his Wilfred Owen. The poet. Poems were quite, uh, they always stuck with me. So, so, so Stephen brings up some poem that he knows or poetry or he liked a guy. And then of all the poems, of all the poets to bring up, Norm brings up this one. And it's one that he clearly cannot actually quote from. So there must be an alternative reason, an ulterior motive to bringing up this poet. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I couldn't do them justice. Sure. You know, the smell of the goddamn, uh, you, know, you know, World War I? A yeah. man would walk, a man would walk, and there would be mud up to his ankles, and then, by God, he'd see a big green gray fog coming at him. He wouldn't know what it was. Yeah, he's just doing what feels like a, William Owen, a Wilfred Owen poem. He is not doing an actual one. And it hit him, and he'd take a breath. And by the time he, his knees hit, he'd be insensate. And by the time his head hit, he'd be dead. But listen, it was better than being in the, in the trenches where the rats got fat on the corpse that was sitting next to you. Yeah. yeah. We got to go to break. But when we come back, <laughs> we have jokes. Okay. Funny way to end that segment. Funnier possible hidden meaning, ladies and gentlemen, an article about Wilford Owen, the poet that Norm picked at total random. Here it is from the spectator anthem for groomed youth, which doesn't sound too good. The fight to keep a great war poet's sexuality, a secret. Oh, it's his sexuality. Like it grooming youth. That's just a sexuality. Map pride, everybody. They had maps back in World War I. And I ain't talking about cartographers either. Uh, this says, This year is the centenary of the armistice to end what Siegfried Sassoon called the world's worst wound. By the way, Siegfried Sassoon was the lover of Wilfred Owen. Okay, I don't know if they're going to mention that in this, but they fucked <laughs> Siegfried Sassoon. Um, 
The First World War, a bare week before the conflict concluded in a gray November, both gray in appearance and demeanor. Another poet, Sassoon's friend and <clears throat> protege, Wilford Owen, whose work now epitomizes the waste and futility of that struggle, was cut down by a machine gun as he tried to lead his men across the somber wath. Canal, in one of the war's last battles, Owen's somber verse, the poetry of pity, as he called it, came to represent the disillusion. I mean, this guy was a real poet. Blah, 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 blah. Wow, they're really building you up to like this guy. Blah. Blah, blah. Okay, <laughs> just so the, the name of this article, the anthem for groomed youth. It took one, two, three, four, five paragraphs before we got to the point here, which is this one starts most troubling of all in our pedophilia obsessed society are the indication of pedophilia obsessed. So what is this website? Is this a website for maps? Like the problem is, gosh, why are you guys so obsessed with it's like it's like a goon saying, You're so obsessed with me. I'm just a pedophile. Get over it. You're so obsessed. In our pedophilia obsessed society are the indications of Owen's fondness for young boys. Aged 19, he enjoyed a romantic friendship with a lad of 13. Oh, just a lad. A lad of 13. Wow, 13. That's the age of the girl that Roman Polanski raped. Oh, so he was a hooker? As an English teacher at the Berlitz School in Bordeaux just before the war, he writes home of altar boys, boys in the park. Men or boys in the park. You're talking about guys in a park. I don't know if there's a public bathroom there. Something's going on. And boys in the YMCA. It literally says that. The YMCA. I'm not making that part up. It's in the article. Okay. This guy's going into a park. There's a motorcyclist, a policeman, and an Indian chief in there. And they're doing construction. They're all on a boat. And recovering from shell shock at Craig Lockhart Officers Hospital in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Edinburgh, Edinburgh, aye, aye, laddie, come to Edinburgh, I'm sorry, it's Edinburgh, all right, get over it, oh, you put an H at the end, I don't care, he virtually adopted a, excuse me, he virtually adopted a, he virtually adopted a seven-year-old, taking the boy on treats and outings to the zoo. Wow, it was a virtual adoption. I remember, listen, I had a cousin. This is a true story. I had a cousin. Uh, his name was Ryan. Cousin Ryan um, got adopted. He was, he was not a blood member of the family. And the way it happened was my uncle, um, he went to the local playground in an unmarked van, a shabby, shambling, unmarked van covered in dirt. (laughs) 
and he opened up the back door and there was there was candy and treats inside and he promised an outing to the zoo and stupid cousin Ryan this guy was an idiot man when I tell you that my cousin Ryan is so retarded one of the stupidest guys I ever know this guy was eating paste we were 15 years old he was eating paste in school I said where'd you even get pa- we don't even use paste we're 15 we have calculators it's it's the year 2000 <laughs> What are you doing? He said, I brought it from home. I said, what? He said, yeah, uh, my mom packed it in my lunch. This guy was stupid. And anyway, my uncle virtually adopted Ryan. (laughs) Okay, so basic moral of the story here is uh, this Owen character was a a pedophile. Anyway, Norm just happened to bring that up completely unrelated to anything else. He just happened to bring up a poet who is a known pederist. No problem there. Nothing to see here, folks. And uh, this is the section of the show where we do jokes. Mm-hmm. Ryan in the chat, that my cousin Ryan in the chat room says, why he gotta be Ryan, though? That is my cousin Ryan. Again, adopted into the family. He's like um, Chinese or something. Chinese and Dominican or something like that. Stupidest guy I know. This man still eats paste to this day. Every time we talk on the phone, he's 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 like knocking dishes around. You can hear him filling things up. I'm like, what are you doing? There's always water running, or you're taking a piss or something. He says, I'm trying to get the paste off my hands. A lot of the people we get on, they don't have natural wit like you. Oh, <laughs> okay. Watch this part. Hang on. You got to see this part close up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the big board, enjoy this part, okay? He, I mean, he just comes out and says it. It's the end of the show. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. Folks, because a lot of the people we get on, they don't have natural wit like you. <laughs> that was a compliment until you started smirking and giggling. <laughs> Here, here's an wow. interesting one. Adam Egbert, who is, by the way, I'll just remind you, he's over here. That's him. Okay, so Norm picks the jokes to hand to the guests. He gives him this card. He read it ahead of time. He said he looked at the card and went, okay, this is a joke for you. Now, Adam Egbert, oftentimes in an episode, will have a joke written about him, maybe two or three. And usually, he is forced to read the jokes about himself. But in this case, Stephen was chosen to read this one. Now, please, while we listen to this, remind yourself of what Stephen was doing with his hand earlier in the interview. It's a joke, but Adam Egot. Uh, how do you say the name? Adam Egot. Egot. Spelt it like the bird. That's Egret. Do you know what Adam Egret has in common with a guitar player? Adam Egret has in common with a guitar player. No, I don't know. They both love fingering minors. Now, okay. Come on now. Come on now. It's all a coincidence, okay? Tower 7. It's all... Listen, don't think too hard about it. Come on now. <laughs> Now, I cut to this. I had to zoom in. That happens, and Stephen Merchant sits there, and he is in deep retrospective thought. He's ruminating. Okay. He goes, okay. Okay. So you picked that one for me. 
Okay. And I know you're very good friends with uh, David Irving. <laughs> Just no reason to do that. Just no reason to say that about the man. Author, who he reads constantly. Yeah, I'm not friends with David Irving. <laughs> do you know that he... That every time, every, ep every other episode, Adam Egert is the the Holocaust denier. But this time, why is Stephen Merchant involved? Why is he a fan of David Irving? He does not do this to the other guests. Of course, famously, Stephen Merchant went on to play a Nazi in a movie called, um, I think it was called Shoah. Is a revisionist? You knew David Irving instantly when I said it. You Absolutely. as if you're his best friend. <laughs> But you've studied Irving? I've not studied Irving, oh. no, no. But I'm aware of who he is. Yeah. Yeah, okay, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. The evidence, I believe, has officially mounted. Thank God. God is back, baby. And the earth is flat, not round. Support the show. Join the pizza fun. Potawful dot pizza. Pizza pizza. pizza. All right, now I saw somebody in the chat room, by the way, just said that they are starting to feel bad for Stephen Merchant after all that. We'll see how you feel about that after the next segment. But before we get into that, uh, join the Pizza Fun Podawful.pizza, our entire archive of shows has been removed from youtube it's permanently banned i cannot upload it to youtube ever again so we've been uh i'm gonna start i've already begun putting the old episodes um in the pizza fund under the one dollar section okay i have to <laughs> i have to put some sort of amount for you to have an account and get uh, content in there so i figured one dollar that's not too bad for all of the shows we ever did all of the free shows i ever did one dollar so we're getting those uploaded now. Join it, podawful.pizza. And by the way, uh, I already mentioned this, but on Wednesdays, we do a premium episode in the $12 level. Tonight, immediately following the show, immediately afterward, we're going to go into a pod after show. I'll hang out with people in our Discord. You can join that, podawful.com slash Discord. Um, and we'll do a pod after show, uh, live stream it, the whole thing. You can just watch or you can hang out with me. Got an amazing update to last week's premium episode. If you were, listen, I'm on a, I'm on a little bit of a Mersh diet, something that Mersh cannot do. Mersh, you would think, would be able to at least do a Mersh diet, <laughs> but he's incapable. So am I. Unfortunately, tonight's premium episode, I've got a slight, just the tiniest but most thrilling and compelling and beautiful Mersh update to our last premium episode all about Mersh's cat fight. Mersh has become a cat lady. So that's going to be in the pod after show in the $6 level and up. 
in the pizza fund. If you like what we do here, this is my only job. This is what I do. And if you want to support the show and if you like uh, everything you see here, your money goes toward this. Okay? I'm not using it towards booze and hookers. And, and when I say hookers, I don't mean the Gore Vidal kind. So, potawful.pizza, join it, get your premium content delivered. I hope to see you there tonight after the show. Now, let's go to my next piece of evidence. This is something I found just yesterday. I've been having these thoughts ever since I believe Norm MacDonald's speaking directly to me schizophrenically because I'm a criminally insane man and was sending me messages about Stephen Merchant, who I do believe one day something horrific and dark news will come out about him. The, the truth will one day be revealed. It might be Savile style and not till after his death, but I think some people have already been cluing in on this, and despite the fact that I've been researching this for some time, I had never before found this clip until yesterday of a random British podcast. It's by a guy called Richard Herring. He had Stephen Merchant on as a guest. They don't know each other very well, I believe. He's got a live audience he he records this podcast in a theater filled with people and the way he chooses and this isn't something he does with all of his guests the way he chooses to introduce Stephen Merchant who is probably too famous to be on this show as as low on the totem pole as he is this is what he says about Stephen IT IT <laughs> do you work in IT no, what do you do? I work for the police. You work for the police? Fuck you. <laughs> I have not... Uh, ben uh, Evans, who's 12, was in my dressing room earlier, but we, there was no point we were left alone in there. I did not. So he's making... That, that's just a joke. He's making a joke about something an audience member said and a child and blah, blah, blah. But then listen to this. It's terrible working in entertainment now. Uh, and talking of paedophiles, will you please... <laughs> Definite what pedophiles. Will you please? Definite. Not just, oh, ha, ha, I'm just saying this. No. Definite. What does this... This is a British man. He's around the British comedy scene. He must have heard talk around town. He's like, we won't find out for a few years. We won't find out. I've been saying... If you watch... If you follow me on Twitter... By the way, at online retard on Twitter... <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at online retard. I've been saying this forever on all my many different Twitter accounts. I've been saying one day, I've been saying this about two people. One day you're going to find out some dark stuff. It might be in the future, but one dark day, the info is going to come out about Steven Merchant and the other guy, Fred Armisen. Be on the lookout for these. It is going to happen. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But people know. De we all knew. <laughs> he was in the toilet. He might not have come back again. I hope he's there. There's some, there's some movement. I'm hoping he's there. He's best known. The, the audience actually don't know who this is. I don't, some of them don't know who it is, which is quite exciting. Uh, he's best known as Man with Broken Leg in Run, Fat Boy, Run. Yeah, the penny's dropped. He was a CTU staffer in 24. 
So he's giving like nothing credits to him too. So he's also shitting on him, Norm McDonald style. And I think this interview may have been first. Perhaps even Norm saw, maybe Norm was like, shit, I don't know fucking anything about Stephen Merchant. Maybe I'll just Google him real quick. Let's see. Okay. Oh, he was on another podcast. Let's see what this guy asked him about. Ah! He's a goddamn pedophile. Come get him, boys. Proper American proper TV. Will you please welcome, if he's there and if he has not left because of what I just said, (laughs) Stephen Merchant, ladies and gentlemen. It's Stephen Merchant. (laughs) Stephen Merchant. (laughs) I mean, look at him, though. I mean, look at him. He's just saying it to his face. Look at him. Obvious pedophile. We all see it. It's, It's in his eyes. His horrifying, hollow, bloodshot eyes. Bloodthirsty eyes. The kind of eyes that could lead a nation, a nation of inhuman, cannibalistic, pedophilic monsters. Come on, come on in. Pull up, pull up a mic. Hello. This is why your BBC One chapter only lasted one episode. <laughs> Funnily enough, your first guest was Jimmy Savile. <laughs> okay, so Stephen brings up Savile in this one. Like, <laughs> definite pedophile. <laughs> definite pedophile. You know, like, there's not even a shadow of a doubt. It's funny with you- This is what they call admitting it. <laughs> this is what this is, hiding in plain sight they refer to this as. Oh, I'm a Sure I am. Wink. Yeah, no, definite. Not even a shadow of a doubt. Steven Merchant in bright lights. Pedophile. For some reason over here, we spell it pedo. <laughs> P-American Eagle Dophile. Aeropostal. Jimmy Savile, because I, funny enough, I was, I was, I was... <laughs> I was in the States when uh, the Jimmy Savile thing was happening here, and, and on the Daily Show, the John Stewart's Daily Show, they, they reported on the Jimmy Savile thing. And of course, American audiences had never seen Jimmy Savile. They'd never seen a picture of him. So they just, so John Stewart, all he had to do was be like, this, this is a man that no one in England realized was a pedophile. And they just showed a picture, audience laughing for five minutes. I just want to try something real quick here, just for a second. Um. Nobody knew this man was a pedophile. Anyone? Anyone? Are you guys laughing? I can't hear the audience. But um, I'll give you five minutes. Okay? Five minutes. Let's just see how long we can sustain a laugh here. Can we beat the Jon Stewart Seville record? No one knew... This man was a pedophile. Okay, they're laughing in the chat room. This is not good. Steven, this is bad. They're saying ha, 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 ha. Some people are saying LOL, which stands for laughing out loud. Put a pic of Steven Merchant in Logan up. Creepy as fuck. Yes, I know. He played a mutant in Logan. Ha, 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 ha. Now, this is interesting. They say he, Kelsey in the chat room says he has the pedo smile. Well, that's something... I wanted to bring up, you know, former friend of the show and current 
um, retard of the internet, <laughs> the internet's own Maddox, created an article a long time ago called How to Spot a Pedophile. And it's all about physiognomy and phrenology. So I'm in. Right? <laughs> I believe this stuff. It says, ever see a guy at work or school who sends off creepy vibes and you say to yourself, man, I know that guy rapes children. Some mental health doctors claim that there's no way to tell a pedophile apart from anyone else just by looks alone. Wrong! I scoured the FBI's most wanted list and found some examples that confirm my theory. Here's what to look for. The pedo smile. This guy's got it, and he's a pedophile. This guy don't, and he's not. On the left is Mark David Keller, wanted for paying young homeless boys for sex. I mean, this guy's a real jerk. Notice the telltale sign of a man who has a penchant for boy ass. The pedophile smile, or pedo smile. It's part smirk, part grin, and all molester. It's like he's having a two-for-one sale on rape. No refunds or exchanges. On the right is John Henry Ramirez, wanted for plain old capital murder. Notice the cold gaze and no smile. Definitely not a child molester. Probably. Here's a chance to test your... And then he's got a test here where you can figure out which ones are the pedos based on their pedo smile. And by the way, this is a method that 100% works Every single time, if you don't have the calipers to feel a man's head lumps, the very least, you can check that smile. And I would describe the smile as typically being, typically being a V-shaped smirk where the corners of the mouth are pulled up as if you know a horrifying secret and you'll never tell anyone. It's this right here. And by the way, the secret is always, I rape boy ass, and Stephen Merchant has got it in spades. Now, I'll tell you this, older photos like this one of Stephen Merchant, he almost always smiles like this. At some point, the Hollywood handlers, oh, hello, hello. you know, Steven Spielberg's crew on the set of Jeopardy came out and said, uh, Stephen... You're going to have to stop with this smile. They're going to figure it out. Why don't you show your teeth a little bit like a normal human being? Why don't when you smile, you show your teeth? And then Stephen Merchant was like, oh, all right. And then he started doing that. And then his eyes became like Emperor Palpatine's. They just, they started growing red and, and darkened and wizened. He started getting cracks of lightning all over his eyelids <laughs> these blood, these burst blood vessels in his face. <laughs> I'm not a pedo. <laughs> but every old photo of him has indeed the pedo smile. Listen, Maddox might be a little bit of a lol cow, but the guy was on to something. He had he got a few good ideas. Like another fella I know, this guy they celebrate um, every four twenty. They celebrate him. He's uh, Jerry Garcia. Of course he was a goody fiddler. And why was he being given keys to like hostels and prisons to just like run them? Like what? But 
like, even if he was legitimately not a kiddie, but why are you giving him keys to prisons and hospitals? He had his own office in a hospital. Jimmy, are you a doctor? No, I'm just a bloke with some jewelry. Have a key. Um, it, was, it was different times. It was happier times. There were more innocent times. And what was amazing was the way that, like, suddenly every kind of 70s entertainer was talking about... Like, so suddenly I saw a column and it was in the sun and it just had, um, Eric Bristow, I hated Rod Hull. And just, like, everyone suddenly mouthing off. When Paul Daniels is the only legitimate person... He's the, he's the most noble man of the 70s. Paul Daniels. Anyway, sorry, you were going to ask. Yeah, well, I'm just chat. It's fine. Um, do, do you remember much about uh, Run, Fat Boy, Run? Okay, so the rest of the interview is not about his hidden pedophilia, as far as I can tell. But it might as well be. Listen, maybe Norm MacDonald saw that. Maybe he saw that clip and he just he just took a chance. He just, on instinct, on feeling, maybe he didn't know anything deeper. You know, again, like I said, Norm MacDonald was a gambler. He was a gambling man. I know something about gambling, to be honest. I'm not a competitive guy. Um... It's a little story, a little sidetrack, but then we're going to come right back to this because I think I know who knows exactly what was going on with Norm MacDonald. Somebody knew that he knew too much, and I have a feeling I've uncovered the entire mystery. But I want to talk to you about gambling for a second. This is an ad for BetDSI. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not much of a competitive guy. I'm not into sports or anything like that. Norm MacDonald loves sports, man. He loved gambling. He loved gambling on sports. Competitive. Very competitive. Watch him on the uh, celebrity poker. You've never seen him take anything more serious than that. Comes in wearing a hat, sunglasses like he's Heisenberg. I did have a bit, just the tiniest bit of a competitive streak, a gambling streak in myself. Um, really more of a competitive thing when I was a teenager. Last a short while. You know, I don't really play video games. Not really into it. But my grandpa... He's an Italian guy. He came over here fresh off the boat. Italian guy. And when arcade machines came out, he fell in love. Like, it was just something like he'd never seen before. Um, and my grandpa, you know, in eight, early 80s, he started getting into these arcade machines for an old guy. You know, he would waste away the quarters on that. That competitive streak in him, he had it, man. He had it bad. And he was a bit of a gambler himself. He loved betting on the uh, sports books. The ponies. He'd play the ponies. But uh, anyway, as a kid, the way I bonded with my grandfather was he'd take me. We had this pizza place we'd go to. It was uh, Gino's Pizza. A nice, like, old-school Italian sort of restaurant. And I will never forget. I'm a little kid. My grandfather passed when I was real young. But I still have those memories, the stack of quarters he'd bring, set them up on the machine, and we'd play. We'd play at Geno's, Galaga. They had a few machines. They had Pac-Man, they had Frogger, and they had Galaga, the classics. But Galaga was our game, and this man could play it. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody get further in that game than my grandfather. And you know, Eventually, I strove to do the same thing. And some of my happiest memories, really. Uh, getting a slice of pizza and playing that game. And when I got older as a teenager, you know, this Gino's place, it was kind of down the street from me. I'd go there every once in a while, once a month or so, just as a treat. 
And I couldn't help myself. I'd get in there and I'd play that Galaga. I had to do it. It was like, you know, I don't know if it's the nostalgia or what, but eventually the competitive, almost gambler streak came back into me. And one day, I was never that good at it as a kid, but I'm older at this point. I'm like 15 years old. I go in there, I play the game. I get the high score. Now, my guess is probably not a lot of people are going in there playing an old 80s arcade game, spending the quarter on it. I probably didn't do that great. But I looked at that high score, man, and I just thought about my grandpa and, you know, the Italian guy who was, how proud he'd be of that. He'd see that and fucking, I could just see a smile. It still, it still fucking warms the cockles of my heart. I'll tell you that much. And he died, he lived hard, and he died harder, my grandpa. He was, uh, he was a gambling man. He died a drunk um, and penniless. Didn't have a cent to his name, had nothing to leave me. In his will, he said, um, if you can find an earthly possession, I want you to give it to that boy. And of course, they couldn't find anything. He he owed it all to the bookies, and his debts had to be paid with with property or with blood. And my father was in no mood to have his kneecaps struck out. Well, anyway, years later, I I win this high score, and I can tell you right now, it unlock something in me i just i was a new man i saw that high score i went in the next time month later maybe half a month month later i go in i'm getting a pizza i fire up the galaga again and i notice not only have i been knocked out of the high score and i've never seen like nobody ever played the thing not only have i been knocked out of the high score the guy at the top and all the next spots one two three four five their name is Ass. Now, I don't know if it was the grandpa in me. I don't know if it was the competitive streak or what. I mean, I got competitive at this point. Something about seeing a guy called Ass just rubbed me the wrong way. I couldn't let it happen. At first, I was going in twice a month to get that high score back up. And every time I'd come back, Ass, 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 Ass. And it was clear. This guy was playing enough games. Not only, I was getting better each time, and I'd beat him. I'd get to the high score, and he would not he would just trounce me. And he'd only score just high enough to push me all the way back down off the leaderboard. Every single time, ass, 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 ass. There I am. I'm either at the bottom or off the whole thing. And I'd sit there, and I must have fed this machine thousands of quarters to get back up there. I'm in and out. It got to the point where I was going in weekly. I stopped buying the pizza. I was just going in to play the game. And I was feverish. The competitive streak in me had gotten so bad at this point. I'm sweating playing the game. My hand can barely grip the thing. I had the shakes. I would think about it at school during the day. I'd go there after school. And all day long at school, I'd be sitting there thinking like about my moves in Galaga. I... My dreams were flooded. They were nightmarish, fevered dreams. 
of the Galaga sprites moving around in my head to score. Ass, 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 ass. One day I'm in there. I'm now going in daily. And I've, I'm hitting that top spot there. I just got it. I finally hit the high score once again. I knock ass down the leaderboard. And finally, the, uh, the little proprietor of the shop there, the owner, I'd seen him a million times since I was a kid. Again, old school, old school Italian place. Like a guy has been in his, it's been in his family the whole time. He comes up to me and he says in his thick Italian accent, he's like, uh, you always play this game. You always, you know, buy the pizza. You always play the game. Oh, I always play the game. And I said to him, listen, uh, my grandpa and I, I don't know if you remember this. I'm that kid. My grandpa and I would come in. Oh, yeah. Uh, you always play. I said, yeah, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I've been playing in memory of my grandpa. And every time I come in here, have you seen this guy? I've never seen him in here. Every time I come back, this leaderboard is filled with ass, 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 ass. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know, I know, I know. That's a me. I'm an Antonio uh, Samuel Spumoni. I said, oh my God. I thought you were, I've been so triggered over this ass showing up. It's your, the owner was the guy the whole time. He said, I had the same feeling. I kept coming in here. I kept seeing name at top. I wanted to move it down. I said, well, you know, I'm sorry about that. He said, well, what is your name? I was so tired of seeing that name at the top of this. I couldn't have it on there. I said, well, I've been playing for my grandpa. I've been using his initials. Uh, his name's uh, Franco Antonio Giuseppe. Can you say Pidofalo is the best show on the internet? Very Carol Live is the best show on the internet. How about this? How about this? Snap to, sit up straight, sit up straight, and say, hey, I'm Perry Caravello, and I think Pod Awful is the best show on the internet. Look, I got, all right, I'll be nice, and I'll say I think Pod Awful is the best show on the internet. But I really think my show is the best show on the internet. But when I, when I snap out of this, Bunk uh, is when my show is the best show on the internet. Nah, not tonight. Far from the best show tonight. Not tonight. Exactly. Tonight, no good. All right, let's get into it. This is the important stuff now. This is the real deal. This is what I believe has been happening. I've been studying this. You know, we've been doing the pedophiles a long time. This is episode number 12 of the pedophiles. I've been studying these sick and twisted individuals quite closely i've been working with chris hansen he's a big fan of pot awful he's told us before come get them boys and it's time to come get them i think i know what's been going on here norm did know too much he was too connected i don't know how he got the information but somebody told him something i'm reminded of episode i want to say it was episode 10 of the pedophiles where we covered the wayfair the, the mysterious Wayfair children in cabinets incidents and Ghislaine Maxwell. And if you'll recall, there was an odd photo released of Ghislaine Maxwell. Here it is right here, um, where 
it was claimed that it must be staged. It must be photoshopped. There's all sorts of odd things about this. And at first, if I'm perfectly honest, I didn't buy any of the conspiracies around this. But eventually, even the mainstream media began reporting this as being a doctored photo. And now, what most people forget is that the photo was actually doctored, or there's actually three photos, and all three of them seem to be bizarrely doctored. I happen to be an expert in Photoshop. I know a thing or two about editing a photo, and I looked very carefully at this, and the point of contention over and over again. Now, number one, you can see right here, clear as day on this image, that the clone tool has not only been used over and over again on this brick wall for some reason, something has been edited out of this part of the image, but obviously so. I mean, like, poorly so. They covered up part of a trash can with this brick wall here. It's very bizarre. And, of course, everybody pointed to the large cup and small cup. She has two drinks on the table there. I dismissed that immediately as being she got a, a regular fountain drink or water and a milkshake. It's pretty often to do. But this is a photo of Ghislaine at the In-N-Out Burger in California that was released days after the absolute, definitely not a murder, suicide of her partner in crime, Jeffrey Epstein. By the way, I grabbed the Epstein shirt on potawful.shop. Um, so days later, people are speculating, where's Ghislaine? Now she's all we've got. She must be in the home of her boyfriend here on the East Coast. She must be over in England where she's from, where her father, she's in Israel where they're now protecting her. And then all of a sudden, released to the New York Post are these photos. Now, what you may not realize is the New York Post is heavily connected to Ghislaine's um, father, her late father, Maxwell, who was a media mogul empire guy. Of course, they're the ones who release these photos. It's suspicious all around. There's a lot of b very bizarre stuff going on in these pictures. The timing was very strange. Um, they've blurred out the faces of the other people in the photos, but that's not really the strangest part. And this photo crops it off, but there's more editing going on. There's more strange um, clone tools, clone stamp going on in this, cut and pasting, magic erasers, all sorts of stuff going on. But the thing that everybody pointed out, the, the most strange part of it was this poster back here, this bus stop poster. Now, I dismissed this immediately as being real. I, I said there, there, this was not Photoshop, not whatsoever. They said this poster in the, the uh, bus stop here, this good boys poster was edited in because that bus, that bus stop, if you go there, there, at the time, that poster was not there. That poster was never there. People contacted the owners of that bus stop ad sign, and they said, have you ever had a good boy's poster inside this thing? They said, no, never. It's been advertising a hospital for months now. The good boy's thing came out. You know, the, the ad campaign for that would have been over with, and they've never had a good boy's ad in any of their, but not this one, not any of them. I checked Google Maps. What they said was true. It was a it was a sign for uh, Google Street View. You can go on the Street View, and it just so happened that the Google car had been by about two months before this picture was supposedly taken. Two months, and what was there? And this was when the movie Good Boys had come out. What was in that thing? A hospital sign, just like they said. 
So unless they had gone in and manipulated Google Street View, what is the more likely scenario? That this photo was edited or Google Street View was edited? And I dismissed it originally because if you look closely here, you can see the reflection of the front of this vehicle in the sign. And I said, that's too hard to do. That is, that's an incredible feat if they pulled that off. It would be one of the world's greatest graphic designers to do that. It would have to be a whole production house to do it. Well, they checked the metadata of this photo. And of course, it was done by a media company. And it was done by one owned by the lawyer of Ghislaine Maxwell. Maxwell. Now, again, this woman is at the head of whatever this pedophile operation was. Okay, she was right there. She was the right hand to the man in charge. Why edit in this specific poster? And if you look here, you'll notice the logo is actually fucked up. The, the edit job on it wasn't as good as I thought. Because if you look in picture number two, it looks more like the actual logo where good is bold and white, just like boys. Whereas in the main photo that everybody shared here, it's this odd red sort of half colored in sort of deal here. Some sort of clear Photoshop mistake happened here. Why put in an image of the poster of the movie Good Boys? Well, I'd never seen that movie, but I did a little digging and I came across this. This is a scene from the movie in question. Nobody that I know of has yet to make this connection to this photo. Is gonna be here in five minutes to buy the car. Well, let's get ready. I found all of these weapons in the back of my parents' closet. I still okay, don't so know it's sex toys. Weapons. He could be a pedophile. It's a bunch of dildos and sex toys and things like that. And now they say he could be a pedophile. A guy is coming to buy a baseball card or something from them. He can't molest all three of us. All he needs is one. And all beats, aka nunchucks, motherfucker. Ooh. Yeah, it's not a toy. Oh, oh shoot. Oh. So here's a Hollywood film where children are playing with sex toys. Now, innocent enough, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just, isn't this funny? Well, no, not a single fucking laugh to be had in this whole goddamn thing. But. Maybe it's not uh, some sort of producer thinking, wouldn't it be nice to see a kid swing around a dildo? They smell like shit. Look who shows up to the door. Ladies and gentlemen, your pedophile in question, Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant. I got excited, very excited to see all of this. Hello, uh, I'm looking for Lucas. That's me. I'm Claude. Hey. So the kid's wearing a gimp mask, holding the whip, another kid's holding the dildo, the other one's got anal beads, they're answering the door, and the scariest haunt to ever grace a doorstep is right there. That's my mom back there. Hiya. 
they have a sex doll pretending to be the mom. So I guess they've been left, you know, this is like a home alone. They've been left alone. They don't want the guy to know that they don't have a parent there. So they, their parents are so kinky. They've got all these toys and a sex doll. Let's Everybody in the chat saying, no way. Holy shit. Watch this. Cut the shit. Are you a pedophile? What? No. Lucas, if you were a pedophile standing in front of three single boys, would you admit it? Probably not. Then why would he? Oh, come on. Do I look like a pedophile? Yes, absolutely. That's not fair. You look more like a pedophile than anyone I've ever seen. Look, I'm not a pedophile. I'm a cool guy. Boy, isn't that what they all say? Now, they put out a cat. I don't know if you know how movies work. They put out a casting notice for this part, and it's kind of a small part in the movie. It's not like a huge thing. And they put out a casting notice and went, we need a guy who looks more like a pedophile than anyone ever. Race, white. <laughs> Usually they'll say like, oh, uh, ethnicity does not matter. But for this one, I guarantee you they said Caucasian. We need a Caucasian guy who looks the most pedophilic of all time. And Stephen Merchant's agent said, Stephen, look at this. Bingo, bango. We've got your ticket in. Finally, a role made specifically for you. He's also, by the way, played the grinder killer who was a gay guy who went around raping young looking dudes and killing them. That's another part he's played. But this is the part that Steven's agent went, we, you have to do. This is going to be the best. Steven, you're never going to believe it. The part of a lifetime, your dream role. And Steven's like, let me read the script. All right, I'm in. He walks into the casting um, director's office. He says, uh, I'm here to audition. And they go, you're hired. <laughs> it's fine. We don't need anything. You don't even learn the lines. Just say whatever you want to. Whatever you would say in these scenarios, improv it. You've got this. You're going to be working with actual kids. Is that okay? He says, well, as long as you don't check my history. Fine. You can come in, but please take your shoes off. You know, I've searched the world for this. So they bring him in and then he leaves with the sex doll. That's the big thing is he, it turns out he is a sex creep. As strange as that may be. And I think as damning as the evidence is, because what other reason did they have to connect good boys to Ghislaine Maxwell? Why was that poster photoshopped in? It absolutely was. That's a proven on the record mainstream media fact at this point. It gets worse when you hear Steven interviewed about his role in the film. I just can't believe that no one's done it before, you know? Who, why has it never occurred to anyone that you take, you know, young kids and you make them say outrageous things? Yeah, uh, nobody's ever thought of that before. What's South Park? Good one. Because we all know when we were at school at that age, we were saying outrageous things. So it's not like it was made up for the movie. We all know that we were, I mean... In, in, we and, and by, yeah, they say in the chat room, never agree to play a pedo. Let's look at Chris D'Elia's career. I mean, you want an example? Why? Hey, why would you do that? If you're a real pedophile, you would never play a pedophile. Well, Chris D'Elia did it twice. So. Weird way, you are, you're more obsessed with rude things, with sex, with all these other crazy things. No! No, 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 no. Steven, Steven, no, no, no. You can't say that. No, actually, weirdly, I what I've noticed is Kids are more obsessed with sex. They're actually more into sex 
than adults, really, in my opinion, me, Stephen Merchant's opinion. Saying outrageous things. So it's not like it was made up for the movie. We no, all no, know no, that no, we no, were, no. I mean, in, in no, a weird no, no, way, no, no, no. You have, you're no, more no, no, obsessed no, no. with rude things, with sex, no, no, with all these other crazy things when you're that age than you are when you're an adult. No, you know, no, no, that's no, no, just no, no, uh, no. the way the world is. You're discovering oh. things, figuring stuff out for the first time. So I just can't believe that, that no one's thought this before. <laughs> I just can't believe no one's thought this before. Okay, again, the idea for this movie is not original. Have you never heard of the Bad News Bears? Have you never heard of South Park? Have you never heard of the remake of Bad News Bears? But he's into it. He's never gotten to have a juicier role, a hotter, juicier fucking cock of a role. Yeah. Okay, so your character, I mean, um, when you went out for it, were you like typecast, pedophile, uh, lover of... I don't know if you can hear the interviewer. She says that he was typecast as a pedophile. Well, I have known Lee and Jean, the uh, writers and directors, for a long time. Uh, I gave them their early break on uh, TV's The Office. Oh, so they wrote the part for you. That's even worse than the scenario I laid out. No big deal, but I, I got them started in the business. And um, <laughs> I got them their first big break. So what they did is they made me a pedo in a movie, and I said, Cracker, bang on, sport. Finally, <laughs> a role for me. They were, I guess, thinking, who can we, who can we cast that um, people will believe is a creepy pedophile? And um, I No, 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 no. Steven, I'm supposed to be saying that right now, not you. You're supposed to go, no, of course. Of course I could not be a pedophile. You're supposed to be throwing down a smoke bomb right now and disappearing from the red carpet. The smoke clears and you're you're just 10 feet over there, but you're going like, Ugh, you're wearing a fake mustache now. I, the, the phone rang immediately. But actually, no, the, to be honest with you, the, I don't know why you're assuming I'm a pedophile. Some why does this keep happening to me? Why do people keep assuming this? One of the kids accuses me of that. I'm not playing... Pedophile. I'm simply playing a uh, an eager nerdy guy who's looking to buy um, a uh, a uh, geeky toy. He's really no 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 no. I'm not playing a. Well, you did walk out of a child's house carrying a sex doll that presumably their parents used. A used sex doll. What do you think the market is for used sex dolls? You think that's a uh, how if Mersh were to buy a sex doll. How many decades old would it be? Boy, I'm not, uh, I'm not actually a, um, a, um, you know. I'm not a, oh, jeez, I'm not really a, I swear, she's not my daughter. I, when we first hooked up, I mean, it's not even possible. The, the things you think that I could, no, 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 no. And the toy you actually end up buying, um, it seems as if it's quite heavy, but with a man of your physique, just like you... So she's talking about the sex doll. The toy you end up buying seems quite heavy. Lifted it out. How was that? Uh, are we allowed to say what it is? I think so. I don't know if you've ever lifted up a full-size... Now, hang on a second. <laughs> this is about to get way, way, way worse, all right? I really pay attention to what's going on here. He's going to talk about carrying the sex doll life-like sex doll but it's like if you actually had to move a corpse 
it's it's as heavy as a dead body that has been floating in a lake and has taken on water. It's unbelievable. Oddly specific. It's I, so I don't know what kind of person buys them and then if the doorbell goes oh yeah not me i'm not and your wife comes back how are you hiding it uh, uh, yeah hiding it you would have to hide it your wife would never also know that you have it this is something you would have to hide from people this is something that definitely everyone is keeping hidden not me i'm a different guy the weight of a dead corpse a flo- a, a bloated waterlogged corpse that i can tell you how you would hide a sex doll? No idea. In time, without giving yourself a hernia, I, I, it's a bizarre thing. It is bizarre. Yeah, that's all you need. You got gold there. You got gold, babe. Hey, babe. I'm into ladies. I'm into adult females, babe. I'm into fully grown adult women. Done. Right. I, I won't guarantee All right. <laughs> I fucking did it again. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. My agents. What are they going to do? How do I get something into the press that I'm not a pedo? Is that even a thing? Is that a type of press you can do? Listen, I think it's pretty clear at this point. The evidence is completely mounted. I believe Norm MacDonald fully outed Stephen Merchant as a pedophile. And it turns out and this is Norm MacDonald's opinion, but it turns out that Norm was right. And Stephen was connected to the world's worst, most elite global cabal of pedophiles. Norm knew too much. They tried to cancel the man. In modern day, you don't assassinate a guy, not if you don't have to. No, no, no. You assassinate his character. Norm MacDonald got a show on Netflix and... While the reviews may have been mixed, it was an excellent show, in my opinion. Um, And it certainly could have gone many, many more seasons. But, wouldn't you know it, just around that time, Norm said something that isn't okay. And they tried to cancel him. Norm's uncancelable. You can't do that to him. He doesn't care. He doesn't play by your rules. He shows up on The View to apologize, and instead he doubles down on saying the word retard a million times. I think he was legitimately apologizing, but at the same time, I don't think he wanted to let them assassinate his character. The man knew how Hollywood operated, and when he wouldn't play by the rules, which he hasn't been doing since the 1990s when he was fired from SNL, by the top brass, not Lorne Michaels, the head of NBC, a guy in control of the networks, the network execs, something I'm very familiar with. They couldn't handle him. The media couldn't control him. Who controlled the media? Ghislaine Maxwell's father was one of them. When you wouldn't play by the rules... They have to assassinate his character. And when they couldn't assassinate the man's character, well, then it becomes time to assassinate the man. This may be controversial. I do believe, I do believe that Norm died of cancer. The problem is, I happen to know for a fact that they are now able easily To kill a man with cancer on purpose. It's been done before. The KGB has done this. It's believed by some conspiracy theorists that Bob Marley was pricked on the tip of his toe with a cancer-causing agent. 
that caused his death. And we know that his life, there was an attempt, an assassination attempt on his life before he died. They've done this many, many times. You can be sure if the CIA tries to discredit something like this, that it's probably real. And the CIA has come out saying, oh, we have no way of giving a man cancer to kill him. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But I know this much for sure. If there's one thing in this world that I know, in order to kill Norm MacDonald, it's going to take a lot more than just cancer. It took nearly 10 years of that disease to kill the man. Norm famously said, and people have been quoting this a lot, that you know, uh, he doesn't like it when you call a, a battle with cancer. Because a battle with it, it, it almost implies, you know, people say that he lost his battle. We well, don't lose because as far as Norm was concerned, when you die, the cancer dies too. So it's a draw. And people have been saying, oh, Norm bravely, valiantly fought cancer to a draw in his honor. A lot of people don't know this. Norm MacDonald had cancer three times in his life. It's a strong man. And he kept it all hidden from everybody. When he was a child, he was stricken with cancer. And he beat it. When he was an adult man, he had just started comedy. He ended up having to take a year off. It was reported sometimes as being gastrointestinal issues. But at least one time, he admitted to a reporter that he had found cancer in his bowel, in his gut. And for a year, he took off from comedy, he fought it, and he came back and immediately became famous. Norm MacDonald did not fight cancer to a draw. The score is Norm 2, Cancer 1. If you're going to be stupid enough to try to kill Norm MacDonald, if you're going to be the guy who works for Hollywood, and tries to take out the man informing the people of the truth about the horrifying monsters who are amongst their media, well, you better be a strong guy. I believe that Norm MacDonald was killed. I believe his family knows better than to say otherwise. I don't believe that Norm MacDonald wouldn't say goodbye to those closest to him beforehand. And only one man could take out Norm MacDonald. And it's, you guessed it, Frank Stallone. Rest in peace, Norm. We didn't even know you were sick. I hope to see you guys in the Pizza Fun for the Pod After Show. And until next time, have an awful day. Head over to potawful.com slash iTunes and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're live every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern at potawful.tv. Love the show? Keep it going by donating to the Pizza Fund. potawful.com slash support. And anything else you need is at potawful.com.